0: Shit, wrong notes. Fuck. Fuck, uh, fuck. Well, we've ruined it already. But welcome, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, to Worried Esh Show, a bad podcast in general. saying we're diversifying now. We're conquering new territories. We're expanding our market. And we're moving into the realm of flop films. <laughs> Although this is amusingly enough, not the first Street Fire film we've covered, But anyway, uh, player one, that'd be me, is Shadon. And player two, of course, is the Saw
1: <laughs> I didn't mean to break the Time Honor podcast tradition of making noise until you introduced me. But I forgot that we did a mystery bando theater on Street Fighter Alpha, the anime movie. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. featuring Chun-Li's crotch. Uh, <laughs> is that the God. one also
0: where Bert? Is that the one also where Birdie looks like he's dead? Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that'd all, be that be the one. I think that's also the one in which Sakura I think might potentially be high <laughs> or hyper on
1: something. Oh, she's definitely I mean, hyper. She's yeah. Definitely hyper.
0: Um. So we're not reviewing that movie, of course, just to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually talking about the live action uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Roll Julia starring Street Fighter, the movie. And this therefore makes this Street Fighter, the movie, the podcast. How dare you?
1: How dare you leave such luminaries out of your out of your top billing as Kylie Minogue, the Kylie Minogue. Okay, I had never seen this movie before we watched it for this podcast, had no freaking idea that the singer of Can't Get You Out of My Head was in this film.
0: Um, No clue. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. There'll be plenty (laughs) to talk about with the cast in general, don't you worry. But we're covering this uh, because this is our non-anime entry for March. And in addition, I want to talk about this film for a couple of reasons. One, because it's going to be fun. This film, (laughs) there's a lot to talk about with it, a lot of, like, the silly stuff that's in it, but also the legitimately good stuff that's in it, and how my opinion on it has evolved over time. But also, it gives us a chance to to dip our toes into the waters of talking about video game adaptations into film, video game stories, fighting game stories in general, um, all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Um, It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time doing this, I reckon. So firstly though before we actually even start talking about the film we should probably give some background ourselves on what we know about street fighter as a franchise and our involvement with it and my honest answer to this point is i never really was into street fighter as a kid or as an adult because people probably know at this point that i am fairly into my fighting games uh, or i have been in the past and i've traveled in circles such as for guilty gear and blaze blue um And when I was very young, when I had a PlayStation uh, 1 for the first time, uh, probably my introduction to fighting games was actually more with Tekken and uh, also Soul Blade or Soul Edge if you're in America and inferior. But anyway, sorry, couldn't resist. (laughs) Um,
1: You and and your Namco 3D fighters deign to call
0: us inferior, please. Please. You're talking about playing. I mean, Soul Blade. I mean, I mean, what 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 have you got to bring to the table America, Rise of the Robots. Oh,
1: (laughs) that's really bad. (laughs) Wait, did what did what is the one uh, that some people made that are famous? Um, Shaq Fu. No. Well, that's yeah. Okay, we check. No, wasn't there one where they were trying to like make it, and it was like, didn't it have robots in it? Maybe, and it was
0: like supposed uh, to be yeah.
1: the execution barrier is lower, and it's now all about decision making.
0: You may be thinking of One Must Fall, actually, because um, that was definitely a giant robot fighting game made Seth by Epic Mega Games. Was helping no, that America. was from, that was that was published by Epic Mega Games, um, no, who I'm these days who, they, who these days are known for you know the digital toy collection that is Fortnite, and also for the Epic Mega Store and being owned by Tencent, a gi- a Chinese company with no shady oh, business oof. practices behind it whatsoever. But yeah, back in the humble days, they were they were making the, probably the only good PC fire at the time. But anyway, yeah, Seth Killian helped uh, make it. What is it? What was
1: it? What does Seth Killian what is
0: the name? I'm thinking of Mortal Kombat. No, it can't be Mortal Kombat. Killer Oh no,
1: no, no, no. Um it was like around 2018 or so. I'm frantically Googling as we Rising Thunder. <laughs> that's the one. Yes. That was like interesting. That's uh that's kind of interesting. Although that also may be Japanese. I don't really know. I don't actually know. I only associate it with Seth Killian, so I'm like, oh America. But it could be, mm. it could also be not an American fighting game. We're, we're not very, mm. we're not, we're not good at it. Except Mortal Kombat, you know what? You joked around in the intro. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think Mortal Kombat, we will talk about Mortal
0: Kombat during the course of this podcast a time or two. I, I have some comparisons to make. You will indeed. I mean, never mind the fact that Mortal Kombat also received its own live action film. In fact, two of them, as a matter of fact, not too long Three? after this there was a third
1: oh well so Jeez. i in, in total sorry you're talking about right after this movie yes there was just mk and the dreadful mk annihilation i was thinking yes, about the recent yeah. one too but no i, I see what you mean <laughs>
0: no no that. this particular period of time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i mean there have of course also been other street fighter films live action films since then there was of course the legend of chun lee which you know what? I'm going to just put this out there. Right for all the problems that this film, the 9-7-4 version, has, and there are many of them, and we're going to talk about them. It's at least trying to be entertaining, whereas I think for everything I've heard of that Chun- about the Legend of Chun Li is it's like watching paint dry. It's just crap. Although, to my surprise, when I was doing a little bit of research on this, apparently there was a TV series in 2014. Um, called Assassin's Fist, I think it was. What? Which, for, yeah, Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. It was a British television series, and I never heard of this. <laughs> completely and utterly wow. passed me by. And apparently that was, well, according to Wikipedia, which, again, Citation needed, was much more positively received. I mean, I don't even know, but uh, that just completely got me by. But yeah, as, as it comes to Street Fighter, like I say, I never really played the games as a kid. One because there were no arcades around where I lived, um, being Aww. in Manchester. Um, I was aware of it. Like, it's a thing that people knew about, I think, growing up at that time. Like, everyone knew what Street Fighter was. It kind of seeped into pop culture and public consciousness. Um, I didn't also, however, own... Um, well, I did have a Sega... It was called a Master System over in the UK, mm. but you know it's the Sega Genesis. Um, but I don't think I ever actually had Street Fighter on that. And then... We went from the Genesis, I think, to the PlayStation, pretty much in a straight jump. And we well, never thank hold- God I you never not hold-
1: have Street Fighter on the Genesis controller. Like at least the the out of the box one with only three buttons. Like yeah, b- brutal uh, for that for that game. I much prefer the the SNES where you. I mean, two of the buttons had some pretty bad latency, the triggers, but at least you had the six buttons.
0: Yeah, and I never owned uh, a NES or a SNES for that matter, so I never played Street Fighter on that. And then in my modern life, in my older like adult life, I never got into playing Street Fighter either. It just didn't appeal to me. But that's not me being derisive or derogatory. I'm just simply speaking to my own tastes here. Why do you hate Capcom? And look, they've, they've done some fine things. You know, They, they gave us Devil May Cry. Uh, yeah. They gave us Resident Evil. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. Keep keep going. They gave
1: us Dino <laughs> Crisis, I guess. We well, love Dino Crisis. They need to bring that shit back. <laughs> uh, look, right? They sort uh, of are with their new announced game yesterday. I forget what it's called, but it's not a horror game. It just is you well, shooting dinosaurs. So,
0: well, it's it's funny that we mentioned announcing games because they did also recently announce Street Fighter Six in the most mm-hmm. muted uh, <laughs> like trailer I've seen in ages. <laughs> Just, just all they have is a logo. <laughs> Basically, a, lo- a, a logo that apparently was taken from a generic art asset site and just had SF six put on it.
1: Very sad. I, I'm not even and kidding. Hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, very um, funny. Also, Ryu and all uh, becoming increasingly yoked over the years.
0: I swear, like he's been in some sort of pressure chamber. The the That's story the thing for that think-
1: game needs to be him on the run from, like, the feds for his rampant steroid use.
0: Uh-huh. And then there's also this new character, Luke, who I just, like, I remember reading somewhere that he was apparently going to represent the future of the Street Fighter series, and every time I look at him, I, I just think, you're, like, you're like that Swerp who shows up in, like, um you know, martial arts films, who's the American, who's, like, completely, utterly useless. It's like if you took, um... God... It's like he took the lead character of Big, L- Big Trouble in Little China and took him seriously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, good Cry. luck good luck dethroning Ryu after all these years. Many have tried in such franchises, and they have fallen by the wayside.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kurt Russell's like Jack, whatever his name was, in Big L- Trouble in China, he thought he was the hot shit, but mm. he wasn't. And that's how I feel about Luke, to be quite honest, every time I look at him. But anyway, that's my history with, with the franchise and what I know of it. I know a little bit about the general story a ver- like a very thin amount, but for reasons I'll make clear when we get into discussion later, that's not really going to matter so much. And as far as what I've seen outside of this particular film, which as I say, I watched as a kid and I've rewatched as an adult. Um, we did of course, watch the terrible, terrible alpha f- uh, anime film very featuring bad. of course, Chun-Li's crotch. I don't understand that. Um, I have also watched uh, the actual Street Fighter 2 animated movie, which came out, I think, the same year as this did, as a matter of fact. That sounds and about if you right. Want my, if you want my thoughts on that, I'll say this. It's also not a great movie, really, but it does have two great moments in it. It has a legitimately brilliant fight scene between Chun-Li and Vega in the hotel, admittedly after the gratuitous Chun-Li wow. shout scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you Yeah. That's that, a, that that that's a reason. That's a reason that a lot of uh, young men of our age know about uh, this film. <laughs> that was two reasons they knew about it. Hey. But I mean, that that fight was great because it wasn't actually structured like a regular fight you'd think of in well Street Fighter. It was her basically surviving an assassination attempt by Vega, and it was like filmed and animated well filmed. It was animated and storyboarded in such a way where it felt genuinely tense. It's one of the best bits of the movie. The other bit, of course, being when uh Ryu and uh Ken manage to double Hadok and bison into an airplane that then explodes. I well
1: that that moment's great. I actually really, really like that movie. I think that movie is not only just a straight up far and away better movie than than this Van Damme vehicle here, but like it also is more authentically Street Fighter uh, than that movie. And, like, I've watched that movie a bunch of times. I, I think, I mean, it, for one, I mean, it has well-choreographed fights, which you sort of need for a Street Fighter movie. Mm. Uh, and then this movie doesn't doesn't have that. Uh, but no. I really like the animated film quite a
0: bit, actually. Yeah, it, it's all right, in my opinion. But I think that... I think, as I say, my opinion towards this film, and we'll get to that in a little bit, has gotten more favourable over the years when I think I've tried to appreciate what it is. And I'll tell you what, given the -the behind-the-scenes production symbol that was going on with this, the fact that it was even Mm. made at all is a fucking miracle. Like, this is the film that would be produced if if it was set to Guile's theme. (laughs) I'm not even joking. (laughs) <laughs> um, but what about you, Doc? What are what are your bona when it comes to just general fighting game knowledge and experience? Like, what games are you familiar with to lesser or greater degrees?
1: So, like, I would not call myself a fighting game fanatic or super fan. But there have been an, a handful of games throughout my life, fighting games, that I have, like, really latched onto and been enamored with and really just played and played and played and and tried to get everything I could out of them and get as good as possible and then eventually of course the scene moves on and the thought of like emotionally and mentally dedicating myself to another game is just a little too exhausting so I kind of fade away but um, Street Fighter 2 Turbo uh, I got the SNES cart of that game for Christmas the year it came out along with a Turbo Touch 360 gamepad um Mm. i don't know if you're familiar with this but this control you should google it because it changed the game for me in fighting games because the d-pad uh what you know the snes d-pad is just the sort of four direction the four cardinal directions uh the turbo touch 360 was like a flat surface with uh nine directions drawn on oh it and neutral. yeah and yeah you could just slide your finger so smoothly across it and do the dragon punches uh much easier like you know i it's i could actually hadoken like all kinds of stuff it's like wow like man this really just opened things up and i just played the shit out of street fighter 2 turbo like by myself with my brother with anyone i could get I, like, spent a long time in the music box section of the options listening to the soundtrack. I mean, I just yeah really loved that game. Um, and then, uh, I mean, other fighting games did over the years, Mortal Kombat 2 and Killer Instinct in particular. But then I think the fighting game I've been into probably, like, the most was, and I think this, for me, is the pinnacle of of Street Fighter, and that's uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike.
0: Um, yeah you there are a, there are a lot of people that i know of um in fine game circles who are big advocates for that game and from everything i've seen of it i don't really i if not if i'm not mistaken that might have also been the version which featured in the legendary uh evolution 2004 tournament where daigo versus justin Wong. and if you're an anime fan you're probably wondering what the fuck am i talking about <laughs> um so let's put it this way right if you've ever seen the World Cup and you've seen someone win on penalties like 11-10 or something like that, that's basically what happened in that moment. Um, I could I could spend an entire podcast breaking that, that down, but just go Google Evo moment. I think it's 34. It might be 37, but you can try both of those. Uh, and just look up that clip and just mm-hmm. watch that room erupt when Daigo parries the Chun-Li Super uh it's a magnificent feat of execution, which was apparently it's deemed impossible at the time. Mm-hmm. And it allowed him to win that particular set. Uh he didn't even win the tournament, Demon Come Close, <laughs> but at that point no one else cared. And I'm i actually bring I'm actually bringing this up for a reason because when I talk like when we talk about Street Fighter and, and what it means to people and why it was popular at the time, uh I think I should be clear here. I'm 99% certain that Street Fighter was popular in the early 90s, not because of its story. And I'm not even dragging on the story as a result. I'm just being clear that the social element, um, you know, of either being in an arcade when you're a kid or, well, uh, granted, of course, the moment I mentioned happened well after the movie came out, but rather like being in that environment where you're in with a bunch of friends, watching a tournament going on, like that's the kind of thing that, I would say is the actual story of Street Fighter and also I'd argue the story of many other fighting games. I mean, they have stories and we'll talk about how they work and what the problems are with fighting game stories in general inherently later on. But I just want you to put that in the back of your mind, folks, when we talk later about what you would do when writing a Street Fighter movie story and how that plays into that, that I've just, just discussed.
1: Yeah, that's, you know... I'm glad you brought it up, too, because that's like part of what really captured me about this video game, like seeing that, uh, seeing the sort of burgeoning online scene around that game and, you know, American players trying to get good to like hook up with Japanese players, uh, Japanese tournaments, you know, being available on YouTube and like whenever YouTube became a thing which was, like, around that time. You mentioned, like, uh, 2004, 5, 6. Um, and, yeah, I just, like, fell in love with watching people play and talk about the game and wanted to get get good at it. I had played it before, but then going back to it, was just like, oh, my God, like, this is just such a well-made video game. It's so fun to play, and, like, it, it's it helped me, like, learn sort of fighting game lingo in general like not yes. not everything of course because there's all kinds of stuff in your fancy guilty gear games you know there's no roman cancels uh or air dashing or uh you know what have you there is there in is a, there
0: is there is stuff like fadc in street Fighter. Though. yes uh, that's specifically street Fighter 4 and i still don't know what the hell that is oh, yeah. i'm sure someone will uh, i'm sure swan will write and say it's this you scrap <laughs> Why do you not know this terminology?
1: Isn't it like uh, I imagine I like focus dash attack cancel? Um,
0: some some nonsense. Yeah, like that. I, yeah.
1: I fell off. Like I didn't. I never got into four. Um, I tried. Uh, but my third strike skills kind of uh only got me so far, and you know, just wasn't feeling up for really digesting everything that game had to offer. So I stuck with three for a long time. Long after sort of the scene had, moved, the majority of the scene had moved on to four, but that was like the last time I really fell in love with Street Fighter. I always watch the Street Fighter uh, Evo finals, like the top eight stuff. I mean, it's always riveting television. And so, even though mm. I've never played four or five, like I've I've seen a lot of high level play and have respect for those games from afar. And I'm interested in the new game, um, just seeing how capcom can, you know, fuck it up of course a launch will be fun. Oh jesus
0: <laughs> Yeah, the for those who are not in the know, um Street Fighter 5 when it launched was an unmitigated disaster. Uh not least of which cuz it had issues such as the PC version putting a rootkit onto your computer. Unbelievable. And and if you don't want to know what if you don't know what a root kit is, if, imagine buying a car and finding out that it is tracking your every move for the car company (laughs) Uh, and also that the car company can just take over the car whenever it feels like it they've got no reason to do any of this but they put it on there anyway like rootkit in pc terminology is up there with malware you know it's not too dissimilar and this is a flagship title from capcom they put it out like that and then there were many other myriad problems with it of course as well but i'm not here to drag the history of capcom we'll we'll leave it there but what i will also mention though is going to the idea of the community element i want to also say like i've seen people bring like actual japanese arcade boards in like housing to tournaments to play street fighter 2 on i had one of those i had one of those made
1: uh, for a a playstation (laughs) 2
0: nice but yeah, this was the original arcade board, like in a, in a housing, and they brought it in with a CRT. And if you know what a CRT is because you're old enough, like, oh, they, I see what you mean. Uh, I see
1: what you mean. Never mind. I, uh, I, we are talking about a different thing. Yes, please continue. Sorry.
0: No, I, I'm talking li- like uh, literally yeah, someone the board, took the board, out uh, not mm-hmm. yeah, uh, to play it on, and then, um, yes, the they, hold in, yeah. Yeah, they, they hold a CRT in, yeah, uh, they hold a CRT in which. Again, if you're old enough like me, that's just a massively chunky television for the truly authentic Street Fighter experience. And believe it or not, I'm bringing this up because it allows me to also mention uh, something later about uh, Bison's Dame and how it was different in the very in, in Street Fighter 2's very first version in Japan, which will be relevant also when we talk about the idea of coming up with character-sufficing games because. No doubt you're aware of this, Doc, but there are a number of characters in the Street Fighter franchise. And I'm not, again, not being derisive when I point this out. I'm merely dosing it as a fact. Who are either literally XPs of real life um, martial artists or professional fighters, or in at least one infamous case I can think of, straight up an XP of a character from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'll talk about all Which this one later. Is that? <laughs> that, w- that would be Rose, because she's basically oh, Lisa Lisa for yeah. part two.
1: Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. That's cool.
0: Yeah. And again, I'm not even saying this to drag on. I'm not accusing a plagiarism or anything like that. I, I'm merely mentioning it because it's going to be relevant to everything we're going to talk about later about conceiving of a story. Because the plight of this movie, in my opinion, is in part the plight of the source material it's working with. This is, again, why I'm talking about adaptation and why it fascinates me so much. And I'm, I must stress again, I'm not dragging Street Fighter as a franchise, even though I personally am not, I'm not a fan of it. It's just worth noting these things, because it just all kind of in very small ways builds towards what's wrong with this film or what issues it has. You'll see this particularly with some characters in the film, such as DJ. And, oh boy, am I going to fucking talk about DJ when we get to him? DJ? Anyway. God. Anyway, we've, we've talked a fair bit about, of course, our bonafides and such and our own history of fighting games. And there is something else I should mention as well, which is we're going to also be referencing a certain article from The Guardian. Now, this came out in 2018 and was written by a chap named Keith Stewart. Um, So, shout out to Keith for doing this. Um, He actually directly interviewed the um, director of the film, Stephen D'Souza. Now, who is Stephen D'Souza, you might wonder? Well, Mm -hmm. he is the writer of Die Hard Mm -hmm. and Commando.
1: Yeah, he, and he he also worked on like a couple like Judge Dredd, The Running Man, Die Hard. You know, he's um he has a lane. He has a thing that he does and I would argue that he does it uh I mean pretty well. Like he's got an audience that he serves
0: and they are happy yes. with his work. Definitely. Um so we're going to be referencing stuff from this article a fair bit. We will provide a link to it in the accompanying social media post at this um comes from and i would very highly recommend you give it a read yourself because it's very enlightening and when we we're going to note some probably not all of the problems this film had during its production how could but that's why i feel but that's why i feel like i have to be a little soft on it otherwise because it's a miracle it got made when we go even to half of the things that were going on in this film um you're gonna know that it's just it is just such a fucking miracle but yeah like going back to the though i want to note something how recently have you seen Commando, Doc? Specifically that oh, film?
1: it's been a long time. A long, too long.
0: Okay. Too long. It's quite true. But let me ask you this. Would you say that Commando is not... It's not an intelligent film. I think we can all agree on that. But would you agree that insofar as what it's trying to do, it's an intelligently written film?
1: Uh... <laughs> I mean... That's not the adjective I would, I would use to describe I would say it is successful in yeah. what it sets out to do.
0: Yes, that's true. I would say the same also applies to Die Hard as well, because I won't call Die Hard a smart movie, but I'd call it a smartly made one. I think that was what Red Letter Media's uh, Mike mentioned once about it in their review of it. And I'm mentioning all of this because I think that when it comes to the street fire the film i think that for the time you probably couldn't have really done much better than de given his actual writing history mm. for trying to do this material i'm sure some people could probably cite other directors who might have had a different crack at it but uh, for other reasons as well i think we'll need to mention like that this film is not directed i would say at specifically um like all ages i think it's more aimed for kids
2: well, it, it had a
1: uh, it had like a G rating like this so is the first pass of the film apparently like uh that it was ruled to be rated R movie and Capcom yes. who had final say over everything was like uh no and then they did another cut
0: and it was rated G <laughs> so but then they well, added like some swearing uh to make it there's a reason for good. that there's a reason for that and that's actually cited in the article um which is that at the time there had been a, a shooting incident so the rating system climbed down even harder. It wouldn't have been an R if they had been real, basically sent off a certification maybe like a month earlier. It was just a victim of unfortunate timing. So, but I, I mean, the audience for this film, in my opinion, is aiming to be younger. And there's, yeah. I think there's two, I think there's like, one particular reason for that, which is, of course, that the main fans of Street Fighter at the time were kids because they were the ones playing in the arcades and such. Yeah. I mean, they were probably older people, admittedly. Well, and then um, video
1: games in general at this time in 1994 had not ascended to become, like, the kind of king of of media and pop culture. Like, the, the industry was not, like, this bajillion-dollar thing that it is. It didn't have the same kind of credibility it has now where you know everyone plays video games it was just sort of a more of a niche hobby and sort of seen as something for kids particularly boys young boys to do and so that feels like a smart audience to target with this movie's young boys
0: yeah absolutely um so i think that's just worth pointing out there because in addition to that I'm going to be mentioning something later, but uh, about this with a quote from a person named John Carmack, who you may have hey, not heard of. Who's that? <laughs> uh, he. We'll get to, we'll get to his quote in a, a later because I think it also speaks to another challenge, as I say, that this film was working with and adapting the source material. But we'll, I'll talk about that separately. But yeah, I think overall, like now's probably a good time as any for us to move on to giving our well, non spoiler Can sorry, I I'm- quibble with you about something? So, uh,
1: on one hand. I agree with you, right? That like the the pick, the choice of D'Souza to write and direct this movie, it seems like a good one on its face. Um, however, I have to say, like the the sort of philosophy he took to creating this, I find a bit weird. So, according to Wikipedia, um, citing what is it? Citing it's citing um. Well, that doesn't really say. Anyway, uh, D'Souza said that he did not want to make a martial arts movie, what he called a generic martial arts movie. And he described the film as a cross between Star Wars, James Bond and a war film. And which makes sense when you see the movie. But I mean, I have to wonder in an alternate universe, like would this movie have just been better as like blood sport for kids? You know, like a more straight-up martial arts movie that was had more fighting yeah. and was more interested in showing cool fights. I don't know. Well, you know, it seems like an well, odd thing to like go into Street Fighter and be like, you know what, let's not make this a fighting movie.
0: Well well, here's the thing, right? The, the the article that I referenced actually has D'Souza comment on that. And he says he didn't I think what he was actually saying was he didn't want it to be written to be structured around a tournament. And so he actually, in the end, was going for that James Bond angle, which, as it turns out from what the article says, was also Capcom's original vision for it when they came to him. Hmm. So they kind of, it turned out that they had the same idea. I'm actually of the opinion that this, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves a lot here because this is Gade's talking point, so yes. I'll, I'll <laughs> save it more of this for later. But I'm of the opinion, I actually think this is an okay idea. Um, the execution is what I think is questionable in certain parts but we'll, I'm good. we'll get all back to that later. Okay. So n- now is probably a good time as any for us to talk, to talk about our non-spoilery thoughts and give a uh, very brief plot summary, which, I, I you know what's funny? When I say that, I don't imagine what the full plot summary would be like, and I think that they would be identically in length nah. if, we, <laughs> if we were doing it for this stuff. To... So I'll let you go first, Dog. What what did you think of this? In fact, before we, you even say if you know, if I recall correctly, you told me off cast that this is the first time you've ever seen it. Is that correct?
1: I said that off cast and on cast earlier. This is the first time oh, I missed that. Yes. I've uh, I've seen this movie uh, is for this podcast. I I had uh, when I was a kid, an industry fighter, it was PG-13. And I I guess when it came out, I was only 10. So I my my parents wouldn't let me see it. And then it just kind of, you know, years went by. And by the time I was old enough to see it, uh, I had moved on and didn't care about seeing it. And then you grow up and you hear tell of how bad it is. Um, you know, how it just critically panned, one of the worst movies ever, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I have to say, for me, um, I was sort of let down by how not just terrible it is. Like, it's it's not this huge flaming pile of shit. Like, it's not a car crash of a film. Um <laughs> And maybe I've just seen too much, too many bad things. Like we've seen some bad want, shit do, on this podcast.
0: Do, do you want to go back to the alpha days? Is that it?
1: <laughs> I mean, that was do, pretty, you, do, that was pretty rough. Uh, I mean, and we. Do we you want the, do you use the crotch shot? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the alphas, the, the, uh, uh, bounty dog days, the, the, uh, elfin leads do, in the world. Like, I mean, we've looked at some just
0: piss. Uh so. oh, oh I'm I'm enjoying you saying this because it's making me realise I like I want to talk about this because I find it fascinating and and it's also like gives me opportunities to say to talk about the ideas of adaptation and such later on. But if you're hungering for something really bad, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there now. <laughs> oh just you wait. <laughs> just you wait My I don't son- know if I hunger son- for
1: well, I do. I always hunger for the Yeah, you of course a you terrible, do. awful film. But like but yeah, I was sort of like, OK, and maybe um, it's a victim of of too much, whatever the antithesis of hype is anti-hype, because uh, like when I watched it, it was it's certainly a lazy movie. It, it's for, it, you know, the sort of effort of the film is mirrored by the enthusiasm of effort of its lead actor, like Van Damme. Oh. Most of the time looks very sleepy and bored
0: throughout this movie. <laughs> I'm laugh. I'm laughing because I, ins- I have I have knowledge. Yeah. I will share this knowledge with okay. you. Okay. <laughs> and like but carry on. Yeah. Um sort of Ra- Raul Julia is kind
1: of the like the one shining sort of redeeming factor of the movie. Like he really does bring like the cheese with with the overacting. Mm. And I wish I had not uh, been spoiled or heard, you know, the the Tuesday scene. Because I mean, just I, I can't uh, going into that scene b- totally blind, sight unseen would just be incredible. You're just like, oh my mm. god, this is one of the most hilariously written, unintentionally con- comedic, perhaps scenes ever. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I really liked whenever bison was on screen doing stuff and how hilariously unintimidating he looked, Uh, and yet he's got the world by the balls in this movie. And I, yeah, I mean, it was like, um, a bad movie, but not in the, um, not in as entertaining of a way as I think I would have liked. I don't know if like, you're a lover of really bad shit. I don't know if I would be like, you got to seek this one out, man, and have a few, uh, have a few beers and, and watch street. I don't know. There's other stuff I would put ahead of the line on, on this one. But, but it is not made very well. And and there's a lot of, uh, really funny things we, we could point out about, uh, the lines, the dialogue, the casting, the, uh, the the final fight, uh, Blanca, Mm. Blanca in general, just everything to do with mm. the Blanca character.
0: I mean, just DalSim, yeah. DalSim, Dalsim <laughs> as well. Yeah,
1: but... d- DalSim is pretty great. <laughs> he just burns his hair. I, think... off. I don't. Why did? Oh, why d- did his
0: hair? What, what happened to his hair? I, I missed. We'll 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 get to that. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll okay. get to all of this because there is a lot to talk about. Um, all right, if you want my non-spoilery reactions to this, I actually think this movie is probably one of the best i'm not going to categorically call it the best but i'm going to say it's one of the best video game adaptations that i personally have seen now that of course comes with the giant caveat that a on average video game adaptations are not great a real bad i think the but i think the buying average for quality of those is very very poor um it's right up there with I anime mean, I,
1: to film adaptation
0: yes <laughs> I mean, let me ask you a question, Doc, while I have you here then. Can you name, in your own personal opinion, or even one by consensus of the public, a good video game adaptation as far as films go? So I think that the public consensus might
1: not be with me, but I think that the 1993, was it Mortal Kombat? And then the most recent one, I think are actually fun, and I would call them, I would call them just on the right side of the good bad line. I think they're good. Okay, um, that's
0: that's fair. Are there other ones? I um, mean, there's 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 a fair few out there. I've like, never seen the Mario movies. Brothers movie, which is this oh, movie. Boy.
1: This movie got compared to a lot in the little bit of reading I did about it. Like people didn't want to be that because it was seen as such a horrible thing at the time although like most things a lot of people a lot of really loud advocates for that movie have come out in recent years and are trying to turn the cultural tide on super mario brothers um mm-hmm. i don't know i never saw double wasn't double dragon a movie never saw that. yes it had um, robert patrick in it who
0: was previously the t-1000 in so many Oh yeah what other ones are there um well there are more modern examples that i can mention okay um the, uncharted of course, of course. The, yep the assassin's creed movie <laughs> um
1: okay yeah i forgot if that existed <laughs> uh yeah for, oh, I, the, the, I the monster it. hunter movie which i never saw which looks yeah. i feel like i want to see it because it looks pretty rough it looks bad yeah there was also
0: <laughs> rampage starring the rock
1: <laughs> i forgot about this too yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, um, there was the mo- there was the modern Tomb Raider movie, and then of course there were the two Angel right. Angelina Jolie ones, right, right, right. Um,
1: I think D'Souza worked then- on one of those, if I'm not mistaken, in pass. some capacity. I, I'll tell you. Uh, so he did the story for Lara Croft Tomb Raider colon The Cradle of Life in 2000. Ah, uh, the
0: second one. Uh huh. Yeah. That's that makes sense then. Fair enough. And there was another one I was thinking of that just completely. Oh God! There was Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, that's technically not a video game, but still, I got to put it out yeah, there. Yeah, that was that was that was a thing. Woofed. Um, there was another modern one I was trying to think of that's just completely left my mind. They've oh, never done oh, a primal yeah, a,
1: rage movie, which is a shame.
0: No, I. <laughs> I'm not ready for farting monkey, giant monkeys. <laughs> Listen, no, can't,
1: no, can't ready for that. be a minor character. As long as you got Sauron and Diablo killing humans and taking bites out of each other. You know, mm-hmm. relegate the farting <laughs> so was- monkey to, the toxic farting monkey to be like a side character.
0: He's just doing it in the background. Yes. I mean I could I, I could I could see the scene in Primal Rage actually where Sauron is just like eating and in like all the passengers of a school bus in the same way that you like open up a pack of Lee lunchables. It'd be, um, great.
1: It'd be a great pulpy movie.
0: Yeah. But but anyway, back to the back to that point, which is that yeah, on the back average, generally speaking, even for the time, video game movies were weak. And they've always struggled. They continue to struggle even to this day. The most recent high-profile case, of course, being Uncharted. which, I mean, you're making a video game that... uh, Sorry, you're making a movie that is an adaptation of a video game, which in turn is a pastiche of mostly Indiana Jones tropes. So you're making a photocopy of a photocopy of Indiana Jones, which is... Gonna cause problems anyway. I haven't seen it, merely, so I, I won't comment any more than that, but that's part of the reason why I didn't want to see it because I thought, why don't I just watch, you know, uh, Rays of the Lost Ark again? Or play the Uncharted games. That, I mean, that's one of the other key do that. problems that, vi- that video <laughs> games... No, no, Uncharted games are great. Are they great? Are they... Yeah, great. great. I, I really like them. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, anyway, anyway, dis- disagreements aside. They're sort of movies. <laughs> but anyway
2: that
0: that, all that said like that's i think also part of the problem that video game adaptations into films have is that
1: oh god you can
0: always ask yourself how do we forget about final fantasy the
1: spirits were there (laughs) (laughs) the bankrupt of the studio (laughs) set square Uh, enix on a course of like ruin for years afterwards Oh, like it, wow. people were like, you know, shunted off to different studios and people left and God, it really set that company back for a
0: long time. Well, we might have to cover terrible. that someday for, the, for the fun of it. If you really want bad stuff. But anyway, yeah. All, those, mean, all like, also, these
1: Resident Evil movies. Some of those are all right. I like the first one eh. of those with the Mila Resident Evil ones. It was it was fine. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, incredible. Um I forgot Prince of Persia existed. Um, oh, didn't
0: Oh there's Doom, the Doom movie.
1: I forgot oh, yeah. about that. Silent Hill, there was an adaptation of that uh 15 years ago. There was a Warcraft movie, did you remember that?
2: <laughs>
1: I never went to see it. 28% um,
0: on Rotten Tomatoes. That was made by Duncan Jones, uh, David Bowie's son. Oh uh God. who previously had also made um Moon, which is a brilliant sci-fi film he's done some did source code. Like he's a legitimately good filmmaker and bringing Warcraft off is amusing because it makes me again point out you can have great talent and it's still incredibly difficult to get this material into what can be considered a good product for the silver screen.
1: Need for speed with Aaron Paul. God, I forgot that was a thing. Ratchet and Clank. All right. Remember the movie based on the game based on the movie or whatever it is.
0: Nah, I didn't, I didn't, uh Pokemon is one. cheating
1: uh, These Pokemon movies uh, should not be the, on this the, list
0: Maybe the more recent Sonic film counts as a decent it,
1: one Yeah, like, my kids really liked that movie Um, and I thought it was, mm-hmm. like, well made for what it was
0: There's a yeah. Max Payne uh, film <laughs> Who knew? I didn't know that Oh, shit, you're right, I forgot about that God, like, we really are, like, unearthing Hitman some... Hitman <laughs> has a movie <laughs> Wow, how did they screw that up? 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, Shadon. We need to watch this. 8%. Oh, my God. Wow. Hit, Hitman 47. It couldn't even achieve 47 as the Metacritic score. House of the Dead. Wow, wow, wow. House of the Dead. Blood Rain. It, can I, can I, you're, you're getting into the realm of Uwe Ball movies yes. now. That's really part of the <laughs> And can I just say... The, the idea of a House of the Dead film, like, the only way for me that a House of the Dead film would work would be if you actually got a light gun in the cinema to play along with.
1: Oh, that'd be tremendous. Um, tremendous.
0: That'd be cool. Alright, anyway, let's move away from other films and just get back on track here, which okay. is... I, I'm i I'm saying that like... One of the things that might make people turn off from watching a film is just uh, that it's based on a video game, is just the idea of why don't I just play the video game? I mean, you talked about Uncharted being based on like movies, and whether or not anyone agrees or disagrees with that you do have a point in that even if you do think of it as a movie like you could still watch that rather than the watered down adaptation version that's made just strictly for television or film it yeah it's it's difficult but for my opinion in my opinion like the street fire movie uh is one of the better video game adaptations and i have to say like watching it today as an adult like in all the time that's passed some of it, I think, is legitimately quite good. And I think that despite all of the many factors that came into like making this film and the trouble, that, trouble production it had, they did, I think, the best they could, save for some elements. Like, you are absolutely right in that the fighting is lame. Um, and I'm going to tell you why it's lame later, because I think that they were trying to do a fan-pleasing element to it, which didn't really work out. But in addition to all of that... I think the film's tone is also rather confused as well. There's some bits that are very like silly and campy and some bits that try to be overly serious in a way that I don't think works. Mm. Um and I'll I'll lastly add as well that there's a reason like when I when I started when I suggested to you that we watch this, I went through my own memories of what I recalled about the film and I'll tell you now, the only things I could recall were various scenes featuring either Guile, that being Jean-Claude Van Damme, or Bison, that being Raul Julia. All the other characters in that film had no presence or staying power in my memory whatsoever. And so I'm clear on this. The last time I watched this film prior to watching it again for the podcast was not when I was a kid. I actually watched it, I think, in 2014 or something around the time. It was basically the last decade. But not, I couldn't remember a single bit of that. Um, But when the film is good, it's legitimately entertaining. And I think if you take it on its merits and have at least some context just to give it a little bit of a push up, I think you can enjoy it. I think it is an enjoyable time. Um, But I do think it also could have been done even for the time a lot better. And I'm going to talk about specific things they could have done later. Doc, got anything to add? That's what I have to add. (laughs) I think like, I mean,
1: you know. Nothing, I guess, that is not getting into the nitty-gritty. Um I think we've we've given our overall impressions. I think it's time for the plot summary.
0: The plot summary. Okay. This will not take very long then. Um in fact, do you remember when we did the uh the two minute summaries for ah. um our our previous stream formats? Mm-hmm. Do you reckon now's the time to revive that? Because I reckon I can do it in under one.
1: Oh, you I I bet you could. Let me uh pull up the old stopwatch here free stopwatch app still here on the machine. So I'm going to reset the time and I've got you at all zeros. Are you ready?
0: Tell me where, give me a three, two, one, and we'll be off. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Bison, Bison wants to rule the world. Of course. And then Guile comes in and kicks him into a TV and that's the end of it. All right. That was no, really seven I seconds. <laughs> I, I really don't have much more to add than that because the, the the characterization is extremely thin. I think the I think the only character who probably has some background to her is probably Chun Li, and we'll get to her later. But yeah, like it really is a, a bare bones like um evil villain wants to take over the world, of course, um plot. And there's a good guy who's going to go in and punch him until he dies, and that's really it. Like this side plots going on with Ken and Ryu. Apparently, who uh, they're apparently now weapons, weapons, smokes. <laughs> yeah, the, you, can, you can tell what the uh, you can tell what a plot Blanca has based on his name. It's Blank. Ah. Hey. Uh, God. Um, and there's other stuff going on, like with other characters, but it's it's all irrelevant, and none of it really matters. Um, uh, I actually, as I say, I don't mind the in the idea of the plot though. Like, I don't mind it being this James Bond thing where there's a secret base and all that. Um, partly because it allows for some very fun set like set designs. Like, the, we'll talk about the Tuesday scene in a bit because there's some great little details in that that I really appreciated. Um, but also because I think that, well, I don't even need to think of it. There's evidence of it. If you try to take Street Fighter in a more serious direction, which I'm not saying you can't do but I'm thinking the difficulty ramps up a fair bit. You end up with Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. And I think, I think some silliness is inherent to the material. Yeah.
1: Even like, um, the, I think it's 2004, maybe it, it might be actually older than that. There's an anime TV series called Street Fighter 2V. Um, Oh God, it's much, uh, much older. It's from 1995. I guess it actually didn't come out, uh, until like the early two thousands, but, um, it's an anime TV show. I really, really liked it. And it, because it has like 38 episodes to kind of do things, it, you know, weaves in silliness, but, uh, also seriousness. And, uh, yeah, I thought, I think that's actually worth
0: your time. Uh I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Mm. Do we also want to mention the amazing uh American made Street Fighter Animated oh, Series? Goodness me. Of which I know of which I know very little about apart from the wonderful beam of uh Ryu and Ken doing uh Shoryuken uppercuts and then their faces merge into one <laughs> down the middle. Um and of course there's also that great there's that great gif of uh Guile having one a fight in a ring and people are just throwing ross fruit at him and yes. he's just completely stone-faced <laughs> yes. which is great yeah and and the funny thing is like i say i don't know much about the show but i think to myself like looking back on it like for what little i do know of it that's probably a reasonable tone to set for the material mm-hmm. you know it's it's a, it's a fun silly saturday morning cartoon kind of thing why the hell not it doesn't need to be anything serious um okay so all jokes aside, like, we'll we'll go into some talking points in a moment, and I want to just stress, though, like, I don't think this film is good, but I do think that the idea that it, uh, that it has, like, the ideas it has, are not unsalvageable. Like, I think they just need to be executed there, and certainly executed with far less external, um, how do we call it, like, uh, God factors coming in here, you know, like, where, acts of God, because some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes... I, I legitimately still am stunned it even got made. Yeah. So let me for, let me get into my first talking point by revealing something about what the film's production. You said that Jean-Claude Van Damme was extremely sleepy throughout all of this. He he looked very unmotivated. Yeah. Well, straight out of the Guardian article, I will tell you he was actually um in the middle of a massive cocaine addiction.
1: <laughs> Watch should I'm, I'm sorry for laughing. You shouldn't laugh. I mean, that's terrible, but uh I mean, that would, that certainly explains
0: something. Yeah, because you, like, I don't really know much about Van Damme or his movies. Like, I know he did Time Cop, I know he did Bloodsport. Um, I do find it a bit odd that they cast a French dude, um, <laughs> or someone with a French accent, for an all-American guy, well, listen, like, character. Listen, But he they, was
1: also a big star at the time. He he was, and, I mean, I know that the actor who played T-Hawk is uh, Cherokee, but I mean, they, That's they, they, actually, they actually, they actually don't, care. <laughs> this movie does not care <laughs> about things like that. Uh, so it doesn't no. surprise me too much that he's, you know, and they have like, you know, Japanese people in the army, uh, and things like that, like the or the AF, I guess as they call it in this movie, like it's, it's more of an international, uh, organization, uh, or at least, I mean, represents America as the melting pot, the, that it, that it claims to be. Um, and he was a big star at the time Um, and he also got paid a little less than a quarter of the entire production budget according to the notes yep. I have
0: <laughs> that sounds about right and actually we should probably mention that because this will also tie into the problems the film had so the budget for the film was originally $33 million but then it eventually ended up at $33 million. so an increase of 10% because they had to do reshoots in Vancouver after the whole thing was sign, sealed, delivered. Uh, mm. Because they were originally filming both in Thailand uh, and then additionally in Australia. Now, I actually put 33 million into an inflation adjuster. And for today's money, 2022 money, that is 64.7 million. Still not a lot for just a, a feature an, film. <laughs> no, just to give you an idea Spider Man No Way Home, oh, geez. granted, it's got Marvel's backing. That had a budget in what was twenty twenty one dollars. Well, let's not split hairs here, of two hundred million dollars. So even by modern standards, this like if you take that as a general trend, this film was under budgeted. And then of course you had Van Damme's um, salary and you had Raoul Julia's salary specifically that vacuumed up a substantial amount of the uh, fine- of the finance of the film and left them with little else to work with. And so, therefore, it's a st- stunning thing to me that like the film has what it has in it. It's got a boat chasing. It, it's got like various scenes in like you know uh, CD bars, like a ring that the and well, vagrant Rio are supposed to find. I'm going to get signed a bit because that pissed me off. <laughs> um, there's a you know, and then there's Bison's lair. Bison's like a uh, you know private lounge, like bedroom area, which I definitely want to talk about in a bit. That's where <laughs> the, the famous Tuesday scene comes in. The lair the, gave, the gave secret me secret
1: lab. The the lair gave me big like. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie vibes. I mean, something about the mm-hmm. whole ambiance of the movie felt, you know, maybe it was just the tone. Um, OK, but yeah, but, six, you know, 60, 60 million dollars. I'm surprised, honestly, that it it feels like they could have done maybe more with them. Like, so that's one fifth of Spider-Man's budget. Right, because it's like, what is it like? You said three hundred million versus sixty no, $200. million? No, two hundred. Okay, so like um, a quarter, then or a, a little uh, more than a quarter. It's certainly, uh, it's like if he, it's it's less good. It's it's not like it's only twenty five percent as good as that. But it's like way less good than that. I I feel like I'm surprised that the the budget is not like four million dollars. <laughs>
0: Is there something considering, I
1: mean, maybe the maybe the sets are better than I'm giving them credit for.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had to, they shot on location, like in. I mean, you've got to travel to Thailand, you've got to travel to Australia for a U.S. production. Like, it can't have been cheap to do that sort of stuff, and also the extended cast as well. um And that is again in itself a problem. So, Doc, uh do you have anything you want to add in at this point, or anything you want to bring up? Do I get downright fierce on this movie? <laughs> um oh gosh uh
1: so are we are we in the spoiler zone spoiler yes
0: zone. so we're we're in the spoiler zone okay um i mean the, we we gave the plot summary and it was basically that bison gets kicked into a tv so all of the spoilers don't really matter <laughs> i wouldn't call this like odd taxi where we had to keep ourselves pretty stum at various points on what was going on um yeah
1: yeah, I mean, like you said, there's other stuff, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Um, uh, so I guess, gosh, I guess like a real serious complaint I have, uh, with it, not just the, you know, silly, like making fun of the actor who played T-Hawk looking like he should be attending Princeton, uh, on the <laughs> tennis team, uh, <laughs> and he's like, he's native american but uh, he actually apparently is in real life which is an incredible fine i would have never in a million years uh
0: the i well the thing is like that's a nice that's that's a nice detail and i like that but um why is t-hawk in the film at all i know just, just <laughs> it's not, not even that revealed
1: later. he's t-hawk
0: until the like the no, it, last
1: it, act it. of the movie he's just a dude yeah and it's like hey t-hawk yeah why do you wear that funny thing on your head it's cherokee it brings me good luck Wait, oh great I'm, I'm see, so it's fun like this this is not what I was going to talk about but this movie like f- for for um, D'Souza's sort of insistence like we don't need to make this like a tournament or martial arts movie you know I think what maybe should have been focused on if he didn't want it to be hokey if that was the intent is like not try to be X-Men 3 and be like a race to Get in every single possible cameo and Street Fighter yeah. reference and everything. Like it just like it's always popping off. Like, like, uh, and it's and and it can f- sometimes it's like you know more organic than others. Then you have some like when Cammy does her like head scissors pile driver, like it, that looks just downright embarrassing. And then before that, she kicks someone and she says
0: something. <laughs> my my uh can I, can I can i interrupt you there when you said downright embarrassing was that the combo notation yes for exactly exactly you, you down, downright and then embarrassing press, is the book press the embarrassing <laughs> button exactly exactly
1: uh these things like that are just like oh god and then like yeah oh he's t-hawk i'm glad we found out an hour and 15 minutes into the movie yeah uh, that, no i wasn't going to talk about that but sure i'll that'll make that my first point is uh
0: it yeah. i I'll I'll, ex- I'll I'll expand on that because first off, like the article that we mentioned before, um, it actually states it that D'Souza was fighting against Capcom to try and keep character count low. Because they were insist on keep bringing more and more characters in, like, why don't you have that one in there? This character's popular, etc. Et Who else has left? uh that's a valid point actually based on the street fighter 2 cast (laughs) well i mean were they wanting to bring in the alpha characters
1: alpha i guess was out by this point maybe Um, maybe alpha people but but other than i see they're leaving out fei long from from the the street
0: fighter 2 cast but i think that might be it i think everybody else is there right yeah i I think so um in one form or another even though they shouldn't be so okay (laughs) here's the thing right here's the thing right this is where i get to have my long-awaited screed on fighting game stories when i was young um in primary school or elementary if again you're a damn dirty american um we did a creative writing class and we got the basic lessons this is like the stuff that you teach to kids of course like the children like under the age of 10 should understand first of which of course was beginning middle and end now these obviously aren't hard and fast rules for adults you can break the rules all you want if you do it meaningfully the other of which is keep the number of characters necessary for your story as low as you possibly can now of course there are writers who can do perfectly well with a very like loaded cast where there's dozens of individuals. The one that springs most prominently to mind is of course George R. 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 Martin uh, with Game of Thrones. His primary problem is just procrastination more than anything else. Yes. But then again, that's his progressive. And, and given the fandom around that particular franchise, I'm as far as I'm concerned, if he never finishes it, fair play to him. No, um, no. then anyway, finish it. Finish it, god damn it. Write write the books. Please. He wants him to do a
1: fatality on his books. Don't don't finish him (laughs) don't let brandon
0: sanderson finish it you finish it george you can do it (laughs) oh oh you oh you mean bed and breakfast yeah i heard about how they fucked up the ending of that show and it made me very glad i never bothered watching it i felt very vindicated that day but anyway back on topic so okay you have this rule for any given story that you might be writing and i want to stress that this is for across any media any medium so it can be books it can be television and it can be video games but Doc, what is one of the key ingredients you need to make a successful fighting game? The fighting.
1: Good. Well, there's good, that. good fighting <laughs> choreography. Uh, yes. And people that can really fight. Um, and then mm-hmm. you maybe. Uh what are you driving?
0: Do you need a uh, protagonist?
1: <laughs> no. Know. Are,
0: you need you, in order to make a good fighting game, you need a diverse uh, and Ah. You need a diverse roster. You need a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. So these two elements, this rule of keep your characters minimal for story as low as possible, and your fighting game game elements um, are in direct opposition to each other from the get-go. And this is only gets more pronounced as the series uh, as the franchise goes on. Uh, I mean, to put it in perspective, like let's take the Blaze Blue franchise, which I have played all of the iterations of. Whew. When that first came out. Uh, it was 12 characters, and it's now something like 30. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those characters are alternate versions of the same person. And this is also true in other games. Like, even Street Fighter has this, uh, where you've got Ryu and, of course, the incredibly nuanced counterparts with <laughs> Evil Ryu. <laughs> which I'll never stop. Never... yes. <laughs> I will never stop finding funny. Also, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the Switch version of Street Fighter 2, which added violent Ken.
1: Oh, yeah, no, so just, Violent Ken <laughs> has been, uh, I think that was an, when SNK versus Capcom came out, which is, so the these two companies, very popular fighting game companies, wanted to do a sort of collab versus game uh, in the style of Marvel versus Capcom. So Capcom did mm. the first two games, uh, Capcom versus SNK 1 and 2, uh, 2 in particular being very good, um, S N K got to do S N K versus Capcom, and that is, I believe, the first appearance of Violent Ken. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's well, really. He fun. was in
0: the, yeah, he he was in the Switch version when it was released. But I just find it amusing that, that that's the twist they did on him, where like we eat new version of Ken, always violent, job yeah. done. I thought you were gonna I, say I, Ken. Probably...
1: like I thought you were gonna make fun of like Ryu and then Ken and then Akuma. Well, that, Kaoken, that that is and then Sean is, and a, Sakura
0: and and Oni yes don't forget him I, I we could go on but anyway you as i say you have this thing uh here with blaze blue where okay yes they started for 12 now there's 30 and some of them are iterations of the same character fair enough but that's still a substantial amount of story that just has to be written if you want to make anything meaningful by it and you're juggling so much stuff it you do run into cases where characters don't get like anything to do really in a fine game story just because again these two uh principles are in opposition to each other
1: do you remember how many char- playable characters the original Mortal Kombat had?
0: Well, I, not I not don't, including the bosses <laughs> or secret characters, seven,
1: <laughs> seven
0: characters. That is, that's pretty funny? good. You know what? You know what's funny? I was going to make a joke then that the number I was that including or excluding all of the various ninjas with the different colors. Uh, well, you've got scorpions you all- zero reptile smoke. <laughs> Was Ermac one of them? Ermac I think might be one of Those that are
1: all secret characters that appeared in, that I think as playable characters in 2 and later. Maybe you could, I think maybe you could be Reptile in secret in, in MK1, but like out of the box, you know, you couldn't play Shang Tsung or Goro or Reptile. You just had the seven characters, only
0: two ninjas. Mm-hmm. Only
1: Scorpion and Sub-Zero
0: yeah so all of this being relevant for the film like i think that's one of the reasons why this film was going to have such difficulty making becoming like a conventional story because there's so many characters that you would then argue of course this being adaptation why include them and the thing is there are some of them that i think could have been cut entirely t hawk doesn't need to be in this film Dalton, he does nothing. <laughs> Dol- oh, just you. I- I've got something separate I want to say about Dawson okay. so I'll come to him in a bit, and and by extension, Blanca as well. Oh, um Blanca. good D- god, DJ, DJ, yes, uh, yeah. by Bi- like Bison's, uh, f- I don't know, telephone operator. <laughs> for what he does really. He he doesn't need to be in DJ. Check my bank again. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. and I would even argue to some extent Kami doesn't need to be in it. Oh, no. And then we could go further. We could then go further and say Ryu and Ken don't need to be in either. I know that sounds like sacrilege because they're like the, well, Ryu specifically more than Ken, I'd argue, is like the main character. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can also then cut out Chun-Li. Like This is the thing, like I said before, I said before about like how, you know what, all I remember is Guile and Bison. And if that's all I remember, like does that not indicate that like the other characters are fairly superfluous and when i say cut them out by the way let's take dj as an example like dj in the games is a boxer now there are two things i want to know about this that really piss me off about him being like say i like this film overall despite its many many flaws but there's some things i think are just unfucking forgivable the first of which and the lesser of the two problems is this when i say cut him out what i actually mean is all dj does in this film is he basically stands at a computer console and starts telling Bison stuff like when he gets like no ransom money come in or anything like that. Now, when I say cut him out, he just needs to be a nameless goon doing that. He doesn't need to be anyone named from the games. Because I think that the moment you name him like that and he, all he does is basically yell stuff from a console, you're going to disappoint the fans because the fans are one of the key audience for this film. They want to see, they know DJ is a boxer, they want to see him do boxing. He's not doing boxing. What the fuck's going on? And I I have to wonder if originally in D'Souza's like original vision for the scripts, that particular character wasn't DJ, but then Capcom insisted on putting him in, and he was like, "Well, I got to crowbar him somewhere." All right, he's 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 here. There we go. Done. Yeah,
1: put this Jamaican
0: fellow here. This we'll just have him do yeah. this. Be this minor yeah. character. Uh, and then the second thing, there is another boxer character in the film, which is Balrog. Yeah, and okay, you have two boxers, one of whom is on the good guys and one of whom is on the bad guys. Doc, Screen Racing <laughs> 101, what do you do with them? Well, you'd have them box, I would think. You, you'd bloody well think, but no, they never actually encounter each other at all. And I just can't fucking believe that. No. That no. to me seems like the most obvious thing in the world. And as far as, I, I don't mean to denigrate boxing, I say this, but like, if you want to do like actual fight choreography... Boxing to me seems like it would be relatively simple. I don't fucking know. Maybe I'm talking about my <laughs> and
1: ass. And I mean, look, that, but- if you want to talk about the ridge, like I think DJ was like a kickboxer or do some capoeira or something like he did the boxing. But like the big thing, or at least what I remember when Super Street Fighter 2 came out is he could throw a fireball with his leg. That was sick. So he had to get a nice. lot of kicks uh, as well. So but it would have still been fun to have those two fight. Uh, yes, in, in this movie, since they are both boxers of a sort.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Like, when there is a fight between E. Honda, uh, who is Chun-Li's, like, camera crew, like, along with Barrow, and between E. Honda and Zangief. And that fight is a lot of fun, in my opinion. It's not a serious fight. It's really goofy and stupid. Like, there's a scene in which he, like, they're wrestling each other through this the model city of Bicycle. Yeah, which is, which is great. Uh, by the way, I want to give shout-outs to the guy playing Zangief and the lines he has. He's great in this film. He's he's dumb as a bag of rocks, but he's fun. He's the uh, the, he has the lost best...
1: uh, brother of HQ host Scott Rogowski,
0: in my opinion. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. I mean, he has that wonderful line, change the channel when they're all looking <laughs> at the <laughs> security he... feed. I know, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, is, that, that is the that best was... non Brawl julia line in yeah the film. that was genuinely funny i I did chuckle at that line. yeah um, and by the way put a pin in that for a bit
1: um the weird so that, like, sideways the, thumb like what the hell is he yeah. doing <laughs> like he's a, he's sort of a character yes I, he's like in the tier just under m bison for being characters in this movie that i actually enjoy uh any anytime yeah. zangief was on screen making weird faces or you know, palling around with people like or just being (laughs) dumb. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's this whole thing about like the number of characters. It is a legacy, it's a holdover effect from adapting the game. And I think also from some extent corporate interference from Capcom. Because I agree with what D'Souza says in this article that in The Guardian that he wanted to cut down the number of characters, but I think he just simply wasn't allowed to. And that would have made the film much more streamlined. And I think it would have overall been better for the fans because this film in my opinion to move on to my next talking point is very focused with fan reaction in mind which is why the fighting is also as very stale as it is because it has to have all of the special moves in it um we get the incredibly lame hadoken and shoryuken bit from ryu and ken during their fight with sagat and vega which the hadoken is just a it's just a flash of light on someone took a picture someone took a picture off screen (laughs) 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 you're you're right you're absolutely (laughs) right Uh, and the shoryuken is just i mean for one of the most iconic fighting game moves ever that i think even people of the general public who might not know about fighting games in detail would know what it is like it looks terrible it does and then of course you have uh, other things like for example um guile doing like flash kicks on Bison, and Bison's own Psycho Crusher, which is the bit where he levitates. <laughs> he he didn't spin! Just... He didn't
1: spin at all. Uh, that was, yeah. Or burst into purple flame. Very disappointing.
0: Sadly, sadly not, no. Uh, so, I mean, thank God we didn't get Chun-Li's helicopter kick. I think that would been too much for me. <laughs> no lightning legs? I think that was... That, yeah, I think that might have been in Chun, The Legend of Chun-Li, though, so, yeah. Uh, anyway. So, I'm mentioning all of this because... The other problem with adapting a fighting game is you then have to, not only beyond, like, the story challenges, you also have the fan element, which is fans want to see the moves. I mean, I talked before about when this, the animated movie from the same year, the, the one featuring the fight with Chun-Li and Vega, but also, of course, the double Hadouken moment, which was infinitely better looking than it was in this film, and more awesome, because, you know, the Hadoken bison into a plane and it exploded, and it was pretty b- badass. It great. But this is also a thing you have to deal with, which is balancing the need to make a film versus what the fans might want. Because if there's anything I've learned over the past 20 years of <laughs> like observing the internet from afar and watching, you know, the evolution of fan discourse, it's that fans do not know what's good for them. Like you see shit like, you know, like people demanding like stuff like what with Rise of Skywalker and all that. And so, as I much as I hate to say it, um, he would probably be better off having the fights not have the special moves at all. I think, oh, from what I read, uh, that that's what he wanted to aim for. Like that, he wanted
1: to cut back on all the supernatural uh, or, or special effecty kinds of things, and get this, save them for the
0: sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, can you imagine that? Uh, well, that would have probably been the one when he introduced to uh more than likely, I suspect. Great. Although that would have made no sense given that Ryu and Ken, well, Ryu yeah. specifically was not the main character of the film that preceded it, but never mind. So you're, you're running into this problem as well where the primary audience will be fans, and fans want to see special moves and such. Uh, and also things like the iconic outfits, like Ryu and Ken end up in their specific like red and white garb, for example. But, but, but the, Cammy, the problem with that is, Cammy
1: never, you know, look, if you're going to make a Street Fighter movie with Cammy... I'm sorry, but she can't wear pants. That's the rules. Mm. Kylie Minogue how about should have the taken tea- the pants off just for, yeah. you know, for no other reason than, you know, to be accurate to the source material. That's that's all.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> I mean, T-Hawk also looks nothing like he doesn't. I mean, T-Hawk, to give you an idea... Skinny, white-looking guy. Yeah, to give you an idea, people who might not play fighting games, Seahawk in the games is what is called a grappler, and they basically are the ones who do all the big chunky throws. Like Zangief is a grappler, and Zangief in the film is played by a big dude who looks like he could throw you across the room like a ragdoll. T-Hawk is also meant to be a grappler, but he's played by a regular dude. And this is why I say also that T-Hawk didn't need to be in the film at all. He could have just been a dude who's with guile to, like, say exposition. That's really it. Yeah. But yeah, you run into this issue again where you're having to, like manage fan desires versus what's conducive to making a good fight scene because i'm sorry to say here but fighting in a fighting game and fighting in a film are intrinsically different things and translating one over to the other is i think kind of like machine translating you know japanese text mm. it will be weird and stilted when it comes out the other end you might get a general idea of what's meant to be going on but it won't feel natural so yeah they, they've I think, again, trying to accommodate the video game has actually only hurt the film in the end all the more, because, I mean, you've got... Um, you've got, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme here, and he is a tough-looking, fucking dude. Never mind also that they were planning on doing a loss of, um, tra- like, fighting training and choreography for this, until so that kind of got shot down for various... Yeah. So you have that problem as well, where fans, like, fan desires and concessions for fans made the film worse. But they want to see... I mean, you also want to see the Shroyuken and the Hadoken. They just needed to... They also just probably needed to be do, done better. Like, I think that if you redid this film today, um you could probably do a convincing Hadoken through CG. And I think you could definitely do a convincing Shroyuken as well. Yeah. Like, you could make these things a lot better.
1: Totally. Totally. And, you know, I, I heard you talk about the choreography i think some of the characters or peep actors rather were undergoing training for their scene like an hour before they filmed their scene to do their fighting mm-hmm. game move um which is not good uh and you know we talk about uh van dam being a weird fit for guile and it, you just said he actually looks like most convincingly of anyone in the film like someone who would be cast for a movie like this like a, a big buff yeah. guy like the a o- fighter the o-
0: no one else looks like an the actual only, fighter <laughs> yeah the only thing he's missing is the hair but yeah. well yeah. I think I think that, I think think that given um, Van Damme's like you know dif- the, how difficult he was to work with because of the fact that he was hoovering up cocaine like a fucking shark vacuum cleaner like a Henry um, I think he wouldn't have wanted to style his hair that way although it would have been great if he did um, anyway I've got plenty more to say on that but I'll pass the, bu- I'll pass the bus on back to you Doc obviously uh, what have you got to say what's next
1: uh, so I mean more on the fighting I think what I was going to bring up first is that like the fighting Um, I think you'll know, you use the word lame and I think that that is the word I would use until the final fight because I think the final fight is far worse than that. I think it is a downright awful just like a non-stop almost sequence of like hard cuts so that yeah. we don't see any actual strikes like or people you know attempting kicks or punches we see the all that's in the frames are Van Damme or Julia reacting to a limb and then cut to the other one reacting to another limb. And it's just s- disorienting. Difficult to tell what's going on when they're fighting in close quarters. You know, we get the flash kicks, which are, are fun. But even those are not shot in a way that look particularly convincing. Uh, and, you know, then the rest of it is just him Superman flying into Van Dam And Van Dam throwing himself around like a wrestler uh and it just is really terrible that whole final act is is a nightmare
0: did you enjoy the uh the hidden reference to the fact that it was a fire game though because there are literally two rounds
1: (laughs) i didn't i didn't clock that that's (laughs)
0: because because for for context uh guile beats bison until he dies basically but he gets revived through like a defibrillator installed in his like uh suit or whatever you want to call it so it is literally uh round two fight <laughs> and i that's cute that's also not the last cute reference but i'll bring those up I, in a bit i think um, in the home video release
1: isn't there like an after credit scene of him reviving again for the yes sequel there is I did, I did not see that i didn't know it existed until earlier
0: today but oh boy yeah it wasn't it wasn't going to happen unfortunately because this is where i have to say I have a feeling, and there's no evidence for this, this is just a feeling, but I have a feeling the reason that the final fight is the way it is, is probably because of Raul Julia. Now, hold on folks, don't start sending me hate mail, because I'm like, not being critical of him at all, because I, this is something I need to tell you, Doc, because I don't know if you know this, Raul Julia uh, had stomach cancer while this film was being made.
1: I saw Rackham
0: he was, talk about
1: that in the forum. In the not yeah. the forum, the Discord.
0: Forum Discord. Yeah, it's IRC. Sad. It's all. The Chat same. by another name. He, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he was he was really, really unwell. Now, Rawl Julia, by his trade, was not the same kind of actor, of course, as Jean-Claude Van Damme was. Van Damme was an action star, was I mean Rawl Julia probably most famously known for doing Adam's Family, I would say, but he's also mm. done a ton of other stuff, but definitely not action works um so between those two factors i can't help but wonder if they were fighting like against well you know factors they couldn't control like that they had to film in such a way because i mean there's a little bit of this i find a little off-putting given that this is like you know ultra healthy van damme beating up (laughs) royal julia who's really sick like there's something a bit off about that but at the same time it was a stunt
1: double i'm sure
0: yeah because like well, i said the way they'll even... find
1: a shot we never actually see raul julia get struck or van damme for
0: that matter. yeah and they probably could have got around with some creative editing and such but yeah but um part of the problem as well was that because Rol was so sick at the start of the filming um they actually had to film his scenes at the end of the shooting um like they had to redo them in a different order so and again i'm not even, i'm not trying to on rogio like he's the best part of this movie by a long shot and he's an absolute professional to the end um and it's tragic what happens to him but i, I mean this facts have got in the way of what was going on with the film and i can't help but wonder if that impacted the action scenes as a result um but i do agree with you that the final fight is like and the, i have to say this also is where i will talk about adr because there's a line as bice sorry as guil Van Damme is running away after kicking the bison to TV where he says, you're off the air, bison. And it's so clearly ADR'd in. And I hated it. It's so shit. It's crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really bad. Oh. That reminded me again of Cammy, whatever she said. The subtitle said the rough kick, but I'm pretty
0: sure that's not what she said
1: when she did her well, there cannon Well There was also a
0: scene when they Yeah, there was also a scene of them walking up to the temple which was Guile, T-Hawk, and Cammy and they have like dialogue saying like you know this is a temple and it's so clearly idiotic and it's so clunky god
1: that always cracks me up dude but yeah that you're off the air that was like that's where the the D'Souza writer influence you know comes out of the water like a like a large whale a line like that you're off the air a white whale. after he got thrown into a television
0: yeah <sighs> Oh god. I yeah, the the the, There's some parts of this film that I really like, like the change the channel line. And of course, pretty much ninety-nine percent of what Raul Julia does, in fact, all of it basically. Did you like There's some bits of it I just think Go ahead, go ahead. There's there's some bits of it I just think this is just cringe. Yeah yeah.
1: It really is. Did you did you like when uh Sagat's gang of criminals shot tennis balls at Ken and Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Ryu.
0: Couldn't they have just replaced those with blanks? I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, they did that it to Guile. That... <sighs> it comes to think, actually, we need to mention Guile fakes his own death in this film, and he is eventually found by Chun Li in the morgue. What if she never went there? Was he just waiting there, <laughs> like in Why the morgue, was he there? like this, <laughs> in this morgue tree, like this, just? What if she never turned up? Would he just be there, like underneath this tarp, looking at his watch?
1: Chun-Li, by the oh. way, dressed <laughs> dressed in the worst ninja outfit that reveals her
0: entire face. <laughs> what are you? It was it was, it was it was one notch above a snuggie. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's so crap. It was crap. Oh man. Um. Well, why why was Guile <laughs> there under the tarp?
1: Under the the
0: car? he faked he faked his own death to. A st- I don't know, and I don't. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not relevant. Incredible. I mean, oh, a, so. Uh, good. so well, good. I mean, I think it's all. I think it was all in aid, eventually, of finding Bison's hideout because they wanted to get Ryu and Ken. Like it's Ken who shoots uh, Guile, but it's faked um, with like body armor or whatever. So I think they were trying to get uh, Ken into uh, Bison's good graces via Sagat, so that way they could then trace his uh, yep. evil hideout. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. To which I would say. To which. To which I would say. Um, did you not check the ominous looking temple with the, like, obvious, like, red, red, like, colored, like, private militia floating around
1: it? Just, like... Not hard to find. Just, like, walk into the woods during, I don't know, any part of the day. Be quiet, and you'll hear, like, a group of people from a certain
0: direction going, Hail Bison!
1: Hail Bison! And then you should just follow that chant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) fuck? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the plot is a bit, is just dumb. Okay, so in fact, you know what, I'll, I'll now talk about the idea of the plot of this film, because as I say, I like the idea on paper, I find the execution lacking. But I have to then also ask, was this the right plot for the film being made at this particular time? Because you know I said before, way back in the early parts of this podcast, about the idea of the story of Street Fighter being the public reaction to it, I'm lit, legitimately surprised they didn't simply make this into a film that was a lot like The Wizard, if you've ever heard of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that would have made a lot of sense to me. Huh. Um, where it could have been essentially about a kid playing Street Fighter in arcades, and you could do all sorts of... Now, granted, many of those films have been lame and terrible. <laughs> no, generous. But, yeah. yeah, that that is generous. But, I mean, you, you could have done that. But also, Could I you mean, just make you're a also right in just make a martial yes, arts movie. Yes, yes, yes. And you know what's funny? This this is the point where I'm going to bring up uh, a scene that maybe that I think serves as a perfect uh, metaphor for your complaint about the martial arts element because, um, somehow for reasons I can't remember, uh, Ryu is going to end up fighting Vega in a cage. Yes, with swords. I don't know why with swords because oh. I know that <laughs> Vega's thing is that he has as a hand claw. And that's absolutely fine. Um, Ryu fighting with swords is the stupidest thing. <laughs> I don't understand why he's like Ryu is anything but a sword fighter. Like he's a dude who punches people into the ceiling with shurikens and fire, like and throws fireballs made of ki or chi or whatever you want to call it. He's a wizard. He's definitely not a sword fighter. Uh,
2: yes, he is
0: actually. <laughs> oh i mean we mentioned that last time didn't didn't we actually on our previous ones yeah (laughs) oh like years and the thing is right okay all annoyance aside again this is the fan perspective here or what you might want to call the fan perspective in being as having a sword fight with vega and how stupid that is based on the actual game detaching myself from that i'd be totally up for that that would be a great fire, I reckon. Like, you know, you'd actually get some proper martial arts going here. Like, Vega's a buff looking dude. Like, you know, it's going to be, it, it looks like there's going to be a real good scrap here in a cage. um And then Guile literally drives a tank through in, into the arena to arrest everyone. And is that not the perfect metaphor for how you feel about this film mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. plot just keeps getting in the way of the actual good fighting?
1: Yeah, it is a good metaphor.
0: And that scene lasts it forever. Is.
1: Like they show it does the tank or whatever from like four different angles driving into the cage before the guy all pops I out like and to, says you're all under arrest.
0: I like to imagine that um Van Damme, because he was coaxed up, did that by accident. <laughs> he just stole the vehicle and they decided, well, we're not gonna be able to rebuild the set now. We might as well run with it. But yeah, like that should have been a fight scene between Vega and Ryu. Not just because it would have been a good fight in its own right if they'd, if they'd done it properly, but it would have established the rivalry they have later on in the film when they fight again in uh, Bison's Lair. Although, then I think it might. Was it Ken versus.? I don't remember. But, I mean, this is the point I'm making. Like, you could have done multiple things with this. And, I mean, it is, as I say, a Street Fighter movie, and the fighting is a big part of it, if the, even if the plot is kind of paper thin. So, bake the fighting good. Like, if this film otherwise had better fighting, I think it would have been. I mean, I say I like it, but I probably liked it in a way that's less ironic. (laughs) But that's, again, why I said before about the fact that they felt compelled to put in the special moves, even though the special moves are not conducive to good fighting um, in a cinematic sense. So, yeah, that's a bit rubbish. All right. I will now talk about tone and comedy. Let's go into this. because. That line we've mentioned a couple of times now about, um, sorry, um, God, why is my brain off the air, Zangief?
1: Oh no, the change the
0: Zangief's changed. Like
1: you and I, legitimately think that's a great comedy. Oh man, should we? Do we have to explain what channels are?
0: Because there's something segment of our audience no, 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 no Do not work at all, and I think that if the film had been more like, as far as its comedic angle were concerned, like that line, I think that it would also have been better for it. Yeah, and this is where we also mentioned like the idea of audience because I said this film is aimed at kids, I would say, but that doesn't mean you need to make the humor juvenile and stupid. Like we mentioned the Godzilla roar for the um, (laughs) the fight between Zangief and E Honda, which I'm okay with as a joke. But then there's other things like um, when E Honda is being like tortured by being whipped. Uh, there's the Hawaiian like lute twang that plays these so from Hawaii, and I'm like, no, this is this is crap. Uh, and also then when Balrog is punching a dude out, like he winds his fist up and you hear like this whirring motor noise. <laughs> he's not a cyborg, <laughs> but th- this this that makes this way too cartoony. I know that's saying something for this film, but that's why I'm saying like that you should have aimed more for the kind of comedic um, standard set by that line, and Raul Julia's material. Although admittedly, that's also I would say a lot down to his delivery of those lines. But we'll talk about him in a bit. But yeah, like that that confused me because I thought okay, just because this film is aimed at kids doesn't mean it can't also just like have. Lines that are amusing to all ages, like the Chaser the channel line, would be funny to kids as well as it would be to us. Mm-hmm. So it should have been written to that standard.
1: Are you saying that they shouldn't but, have leaned harder into the cartoon sound effects and had like a slide whistle in there or a clown nose whenever
0: someone got punched? That I mean, yeah. Also, the you what you said before about the guns firing tennis balls. Weep. No. It's d- it's it's too it's too stupid. Whenever Vega point, jumps,
1: have a it's, boing.
0: It's <laughs> tremendous.
1: Oh, that would have been it, yeah. I mean, some of it's pretty bad. Yeah, the tennis yeah. ball scene so, like just made me like I had to lay my head down on the desk and yeah. massage my temples. Did you want?
0: <laughs> did you want to pray for the sweet release of death? I did. I did. Yeah, I I, I admit that bit was pretty crap. So that's the thing. Like you're you're you firstly got the comedic inconsistency where some of it is written to a good standard and some of it is just shit. (laughs) There's no two ways about it. But then there's also, like, um, there's the tone element, because do you remember the conversation that Dalsim has with Guile when he finds, like, what's happened to Blanca? Uh, Blanca, by the way, in case you don't know, uh, he's originally Charlie, who I think is a reference to the character Charlie Nash, Nash. It has to be, yeah. Who is a very... Is a very distinct character from Blancroft, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. There's an alpha character. <laughs> but that, I, I, I don't mind that for the purpose of the film. It doesn't matter. Um, he is turned into a genetically hand super soldier and has his brain reprogrammed by Delson. And his skin recolored. Now, beyond the fact,
1: And his hair lengthened.
0: Yeah, he... Yes, he looks like a troll doll, except huge. Horrific. Just That yeah, it is hair, his really hairline better.
1: is much reduced.
0: <laughs> for it some reason. Sound like he's turning into me. <laughs> I mean, um... But anyway, like, the, so this this thing that's happening to him, like, he's basically been brainwashed, like, drugged, mutated by, by um, on Bison's command to serve as, like, the prototype for his new genetic super soldier army. Um, now here's the thing, right? If you want to do a su- serious Street Fire movie about that, you can do that. But I find it very bizarre that you have a film that has things like the Balrog corkscrew, like, you know, motor noise, uh, the Hawaiian swang. And all the other daft shit in this. but then you have Bice. Sorry, uh, you have Dalsim telling like Guile about like he has like a capacity for both good and evil. Would you condemn him? <laughs> and Guile, like, this incre- is gonna kill it. Guile was, yeah, was gonna use his block. he was gonna. He was gonna blow his brains out. I mean, you can call that a sonic boom if you want. Holy <laughs> oh, shit! It's like what it was the a fuck? Bit this is about to get it's super dark yeah and and that fucking screed from dal sim as well like (laughs) and the thing is these things in a different version of the movie executed differently would be fine they're not in bad simply because like whatever you want to say about the original games and their stories like i am probably one of the biggest advocates for deviations from source material as long as it stays true to the spirit of it and yeah you know what fuck it go nuts do that sort of thing but if you're gonna do it it has to be totally consistent with the rest of the film, and it's not. It reminds me a lot of what happened in Batman and Robin, and another notoriously camp film, because you've got all the silly <laughs> crap in that, with like Mr. Freeze, you know, like, I'm Mr. White Christmas, I'm Mr. Snow, the Bat credit card, the Bat nipples, all that sort of stuff. And you've got the plot of, oh, Freeze is doing this because his wife is in cryogenic suspension because she has a terminal illness. Oh, and Alfred has a terminal illness now as well, and everyone's very sad about that. And no! Like, I don't like Batman and Robin, but I at least can appreciate it for the most part for being what it is and being unapologetic about that. But you can't then put these two different things together that are totally inconsistent and expect it to work in the same movie. It, it, it's jarring for the audience, and it's the same problem here. In my opinion, the blanker stuff should have been cut entirely again. Because there's no payoff to it. Like, we no. don't see Blanker at the end of the film to see if just, he's okay. He's still in the laboratory with Dalsim when it explodes, and by all <laughs> accounts, he's dead! Don't they,
1: like, give a speech or something like that? Where, like... So they're like, come on, escape with us, or whatever. And Dalsim is like, no, I have to atone uh-huh. for my part in this. And yeah. <laughs> Van is like, but you said you did nothing. He's like, exactly. When good men do nothing... That's all you need for evil to thrive, or whatever. And so I guess they're yeah. implied to both like go on some kind of pilgrimage and escape. But I mean, Blanca didn't even. Did he even get to like fight any bad guys, or does he just
0: like he he saved DalSim when like the guy monitoring DalSim. Uh, Dalsim's oh work right, like, the the guy right. with
1: the weird shoulder pads. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. I, who I, I'm surprised wasn't the character actually. He could have very easily been some random uh like bad guy Birdie. stooge or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um but like the, the other thing about the toilet as well is like it turns out that Blanca is being reprogrammed <laughs> with nuclear test footage. Like it's meant to be all evil stuff. Um, and honestly, I think he'd have been better off by putting on those uh, YouTube algorithm pregnant Spider-Man Frozen Elsa shit. That would have <laughs> driven him truly mad. Yeah, we could think of <laughs> some real heinous
1: torture to subject him to today. Yeah, right,
0: but. Uh, but, then, but then he's also doing, like, he's, he's like, programming in good material. And, uh, no, I what, have a dream have a speech! Of that? <laughs> yeah, it's got fucking Martin for King in this, like, what is going on? <laughs> the, it's so funny. This is... like a child
1: eating ice cream or something and is there like a puppy oh my god that was
0: just so dumb but yeah the i have a dream speech uh, was really just like what's happening right now yeah what the what the (laughs) fuck i mean i suppose it's a good thing Dalson didn't like make him watch youtubers because then he'd just be fucking useless (laughs) poor guy (laughs) um (laughs) jesus christ but that's that's basically my entire point here like the, the film overall is camp. And I think no one understood that better than Raul Julia. And you know what? His scenes are camp and everyone loves them. So the it does work in fits and starts. Granted, you need someone of Raul Julia's caliber, at least with his understanding, to make those scenes work. But overall, what I'm trying to get across here is that if you want to make a camp in Silly Street by a movie, absolutely fine. It just means you can't have stuff like the morality screen from Dalsim. You know, you can't all the more serious stuff like, oh, there's a hostage crisis, all this refugee shit going on. Like, you can't have those things in there. But conversely, if you want to lean into that direction, um, and if you think I'm being, like, they would never do that. Like, that's been the plot, I'm sure, of at least one animated Street Fighter movie about Ryu, like, controlling his dark side or something like oh, that. Oh, that in um, the alpha when we watched. That was a thing. It was it? The I dark ADO? yeah. Yes, that's right. So... Street Fighter has tackled that separately elsewhere, and okay, granted it wasn't any good in the ALF movie, but I'm still saying the concept is perfectly legitimate within the confines of a Street Fighter story. It just needs to be done better and it needs to be the soul f- like, or like the, the main thematic focus and the main tonal focus of the movie. This movie as it stands is very confused at times about what it wants to be and who it wants to be for. Eee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have anything else strapped yeah, I have more things to say. Yeah, so I have a question for you. Uh, Why did we do this? (laughs) No, I I know (laughs) why
1: we did this. Uh, Something I I want to know that I don't know is who for you is the most egregious casting choice? Because there's a lot of different methodologies you could use to tackle this question. A lot of criteria you could apply to it. I'm going to apply the criteria of like Who, who did, who's the worst cast in terms of casting someone that actually looks like the character in the fighting game? And there's there's some choices
0: that you could go, but I'm going to go with Damien Chapa as Ken. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, but Ken is like the vanilla of Street Fighter characters, both in appearance and otherwise. And they couldn't even get someone... I mean, I, he's probably he's probably one of the worst, like the worst performances in the film. Just
1: well, uh, the just the 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 dead worst. Uh, just such a, a a carrion roadkill. Just awful, terrible nails on a chopboard. Low effort, uh, terrible. And, and so the, from the beginning, the casting just like, choice, just like his Shroyuken. Yes, the exactly the <laughs> casting choice
0: so bad
1: like ken is supposed to be and again i I realize they're deviating here but you still want people to know it's ken and he's supposed to be a good-looking blonde-haired hollywood kid
0: um can i intervene and just say though like even capcom doesn't understand that did you see ken in street fighter 5 when he first launched Oh boy! <laughs> he had the long hair, he? Was... had he had he had the ha- he had the head that looked like a bunch of bananas yes, on his he head. Had the banana this hair. Was... <laughs> right. This this was a PS4 game, by the mm-hmm. way. People listening at mm-hmm. home, it was pretty bad. But anyway, uh, please
1: continue. <laughs> I mean, just, there's that. There's like we have a sort of what amounts to like a like a paunchy Will Forte uh, looking guy mm-hmm. in this movie, and like. What is his role? Like, what is his like? He, I mean, he's the character who I feel like. I mean, he might be in the universe of this movie, even dumber than Zangief. Like, he's what is that one part where he says to Ryu when they're getting hauled in to to jail, and Chun Li like spits at them or whatever? He's like, oh no we're the good guys like them. We're not the bad guys. I'm like, what What the fuck is this? Like, this is like the most insipid, like what are, I guess they were sort of like really just wanting to hammer it home for any children that were confused about like, why are Ryu and Ken going to jail? I don't understand. And like, yeah, it's, he's terrible. A character that makes no mm-hmm. sense a performance that is DOA, um, an absolute travesty within the travesty that is this film, Ken and everything about
0: him. (laughs) I I mean, here's the thing, right? They're not going to, they weren't going to not have Ken this film, even though I would actually argue they shouldn't have, but you know full well, Capcom would definitely have not let him be cut out or Ryu for that matter. And the thing is like, they have a sort of like, thing going on where they have like a crisis of conscience i think it's kenny's like no we're done here we're leaving these guys to we i know, you know we're, deal with the shit we're gonna but,
1: go find some loot bro we gotta take something back here that that's worthwhile uh and reed's like i've already found something worthwhile <laughs> it's like oh yeah. damn
0: what a mic drop the morally superior character <laughs> um. and, and the thing is right yeah that's that's terrible but I feel like in a better version of this film, they would have had some proper banter and interplay going. Yeah. And you know what's funny, actually? We, we've been talking a lot about the idea of there's too many characters in this film. And it hit me in a flash of lightning the other day when I was thinking ahead of why I wanted to talk about in this podcast. If we were to do a modern reboot or remake or redo of a Street Fire movie that would go into theatres and would be primarily an American production, who would I get to direct and also write? And it came to me. It would have to be James Gunn. Yeah, I could yeah that's, that's a good choice. That totally works. Because because I think that the, like the Guardians films have proven that you can, one, take characters who no one really knows about, or knows very little about, and two, even though there's a lot of them and there's a lot going on, you can give them all things to do. Good, quippy dialogue between each of them. And you can make them convincing. I mean, if... If James Gunn can make Groot and Rocket Raccoon convincing and likable and have people care about them, even though it's a raccoon and a tree, and the tree has three words that it says, I think he could probably do pretty well. And that's why I'm saying that, oh God, this the whole idea of video game movies, Like, I don't think it's impossible to make a good one, but I think you need to really, really think about it and be willing to make some strong like, um, concessions and changes to the source material to make it work i don't that's why i think gun would be good at this um mm-hmm. gosh it it is a shame because i still genuinely think they probably did the best they could have done for the from in many respects in this film given its circumstances i mean just to give you some other background details while this was being filmed in thailand there was a military coup underway. Oh, no. so so that proved a, sh- a, a fucking nightmare for the logistics um, Capcom were their usual obstinate selves because they didn't want um Byron Mann to play um Ryu. They actually wanted an actor named uh what was his This is where I'm looking up on the article. His name was Sawada, and he actually appears in the film as Captain He Sawada. does and speaks uh, Japanese. Yes, Kenya Sawada. Um and but that's the reason they didn't want him to play, no disrespect to him, but like he would have caused severe communication issues. So there's all that. It, oh, it just sounds like an absolute nightmare making this thing, um. And so the fact that, that I mean, I joked about it being the Giles Fiend movie because like it feels like it was made with Giles <laughs> theme playing constantly. But they did it, and given all of that, I think it actually all sold. Came out really like I, I think I I have to be honest still, Like my fondness for this movie is fondness with context. I appreciate it despite all of the issues it had but if i didn't know about it i'd probably be much harsher on it and there are still definitely things i think even with all the problems it's had that shouldn't have been problems at all like some of the scripting choices uh could have definitely been changed the the
1: simon callow scene (laughs) just such a such a like super 90s like you know what kids like to do stick it to the stuffy authority figure
0: so let's have him. I really enjoyed that speech. That speech was so stupid, was but so I loved stupid. it. But it was stupid what? in a way that I found it charming and enjoyable. And you know what's at really least he like? got in a cool Roll boat G-
1: with his name on it.
0: That's my favorite thing he about did. the boat. It says name on it. It's it's my second favorite thing about the boat because what I should mention is um and we're gonna get a little bit into some of the small details where Okay, yeah, some of it's cheap, but they did put detail in where it mattered. Uh, did you notice that uh, Bison's floating platform that he does all his commanding and proclamations from has two arcade sticks? I mean, how it?
1: could you not notice that when he's, you know, uh, controlling the missiles or guns or whatever he's doing? He's Yeah, he's releasing the mines of it. And, he's
0: yeah, like really getting <laughs> into it. He, he's literally releasing mines if it's as, as, as a video game um which is fantastic. I love that detail so much. And I'm really really glad about it. Like that it's, I think his so expression <laughs> like, it's corny, <laughs> but I think it's one of the I think it's one of the most genuine ways this film expresses uh, affection for its source material and it's that's where fair. the material comes that's from. Fair. And I, and I like it a lot as a result. I mean, especially since there are two of them. I really want to imagine that Bison actually played Street Fighter Baby with DJ on that platform on the giant TV. <laughs> that would be incredible. Okay, I suppose now is probably a good time as I to talk about Bison. I mean, if you've seen this film, in fact, no, if you haven't seen this film, you know about Raw Julia's performance. So if talking about it feels redundant. But I want to just put a thought out here, which I think explains why, in my mind, I still remember um, Roald Julia and Van Damme's like, performances and the moments that they have in the film, such as that stupid speech he does. And I think it's a case of this happening by accident. So as far as I'm concerned, I think Roald Julia, amongst anyone else, understood the material he's working with and gave it the performance it demanded, where it was camp and like histrionic and over-the-top. I think he, he truly like knew that. And conversely, you have John claude Van Damme who is coked out of his fucking mind. And yet <laughs> that explicitly, that I think, is a I'm lot. Sorry. I'm sorry. Cocaine <laughs> addiction is a horrible thing. And
1: yet whenever you bring it up, hey, hey. for some reason it makes me laugh. I'm so sorry.
0: I, I know, I know. I, I forgive you. Thank you. Um, Don't I want to you. seem heartless. I hope he got the help he needed. <laughs> No, he definitely did. We're going to talk about that later. We'll talk about later. But the the other thing I want to mention is that, like, I think that inexplicably, whether by just him not being a great actor or because he was coaxed out of his mind or a combination error, I think that that inexplicably set the needle, if you want to call it that, so that he was operating on a similar wavelength to Julia, where they were both delivering scampy performances that their characters demanded. Um. And that makes it work. It gives them the strangest kind of chemistry, but it does work in my opinion. And that's why I think they're memorable. Now, obviously I would not be advocating for a drug habit in order to get through filming or to make your character work. You probably shouldn't have to do that. But that's why I think that I find those moments memorable because inexplicably, I think both of these acts, not inexplicably in raw Julia's case, but definitely in uh, Van Damme's case, I think that they both somehow ended up simultaneously be on the same wavelength that was needed. Yeah, but I as agree. for Raul, Ju-
1: I I actually agree. Yeah. I think I think that they made entertaining foils, and yes. whenever they were doing things together, it was good. Whenever Raul Julia was on screen at all, it was good. But his stuff with Van Damme was was good. Um, I enjoyed it i thought yeah. um I'm re- oh, go ahead you go ahead
0: i was gonna say i'm reminded of um how the actors in star wars episode four new hope when that was first being filmed felt about alec guinness yes. being also of course played obi-wan because they of course were all very new um He's a knight and <laughs> they he he came in and basically helps guide and steer them and i think that julia's professionals like it's mentioned again in the article i think it might have been i'm gonna see who it was who said it um let's see. Blanca. No, it wasn't Blanca. <laughs> As Blanca. It
1: was a cut cut line yeah. from the film.
0: Uh it's Mamone, his name is. Uh, he says, like, you know, that um he says and I quote, the focus and concentration he, Raul Julia maintained, are things that I've carried with me for the rest of my career. When he steps on set, he was that character. So yeah, I think that he had that effect, like Alec Guinness did on the Production of New Hope, where he helped give it an air of professionalism. He helped um set things a little right just by his mere presence. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough how much respect I have for him for doing this because he was, let's be honest here, he was dying. He d- he died two months before the film's release. And I I know from s- m- m- not from first experience, from second eye experience, what cancer does to people what it does to families and so the idea of him agreeing to do this basically because his kids asked him to do it because they themselves were street fire fans um and him like then spending this time going out to thailand not eating well while over there even without re- disregarding his ailments um having to go through all this training doing all this work and putting in the performance he did i like whatever you want to say about this movie even though this movie is not like for a lot of people is gonna be crap. I, I defy anyone to watch this and walk away, even not knowing the context and not say Raw Julia was an absolute professional. He had he did it with integrity, he did it with dignity, and he put an, all of his a game into it.
1: Yeah. Um I I will not dispute that, that he is unequivocally an enjoyable part of this movie. And the the, the yeah. Tuesday scene lives on in infamy.
0: As an all-time, oh. all of them do. Like, there's so many quotes for moments, like the bison dollars moment. Such <laughs> <So laughs> a stupid. I, I, I have to say, as a British man, like, let's say that the possibility of turning bison dollars into five British pounds was a non-zero thing, non-zero percent thing in 1993. How do how do I put this? Like, it's only gotten more likely in modern times. It feels like. <laughs> like and i don't quite know how to process that in my brain but then there's other great bits like when he's showing off the bisonopolis model which is his model of the of the city he's going to build he's like walking through it and i don't know if this was a secret genius mode where they wanted to make bison look like the pre- like presents himself as a god which is why he's huge amongst this city but Ju- royal Julie is just hamming it up and he's loving it he's,
1: talks about he's the having food that- court i'm like what a shout out to <laughs> <Yeah>. malls <laughs> such a 90s thing yeah. <laughs> like the mother food the food court needs to be bigger because all these franchises will want to come and be part of bisonopolis and uh it zooms up and bisonopolis is made into the symbol of the Shadowloose skull
0: <laughs> yeah he wanted he, he wanted to look good on google maps when yep. it came yeah up. He was a forward thinker, was Bison. <laughs> Speaking of the Shablu skull, can I can I bring up something with respect to the it was Tuesday scene? Mm-hmm. So li has been captured, and Bison is changing into his evening robes out of his uh, regular <laughs> he has like general the same
1: suit, hat, but it's red and, velvet.
0: And the, th- <laughs> the thing is, though, he has an entire like um, stand of hats. He has six of them, and he never wears any of the ov- uh, any of the others. But they all have the skull on them, and they all look great. <laughs> And then when he goes to Chun-Li he gives her a cocktail and the stirrer that goes in this cocktail has the skull Incredible. On it. <laughs> and that, and this is the thing right like you know what I said before about the idea of the comedy being like really good in parts uh-huh. and in other places not like the sets in some of the in some of the film and some of the props and all that are, are rubbish like the the lab the lab in for example Dalson's <laughs> lab is it's so whatever it's a bit, it's a bit
1: it's, 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 it's crap it's
0: just like someone's
1: server room it's so bad yeah,
0: yeah it, it I mean Walter White's meth lab was better than <laughs> yeah, that yeah yeah. and that and that was that was just a fucking lab underneath a lost uh, sorry underneath a dry cleaners but anyway I'm bringing this up because I think like that when they put attention to detail and with little things like, and of course the arcade sticks I mentioned before like there's real joy to be found in those moments where you realise Bison is so into his branding. <laughs> just little things like where someone clearly cared enough to make this happen, especially on the shoestring budget they had. I, I, like I say, there's there's little gems in this film that just make me think that under different circumstances it could have been truly incredible. Like uh, not like in the sense of like being a like an arty film, but I think a uh, solid, like a fine B movie, all round. Pe- People-pleasing, yeah. I would I would say so. And yeah, Roald Julia is just... I, I, If they ever do make a, another, heaven forbid, live-action Street Fighter film, even if it is, as I suggested, James Gunn doing it, who would be my first pick for it, you're not going to get anyone who's going to do better than Roald Julio. Oh, no. Role.
1: No, maybe you'd get someone that looked more intimidating, but no one that would ham
0: it up quite no, like Julio. and from from what i understand like when they made uh the legend of chun lee they did have bison in that as well and they played him as like an irish he was basically an irish immigrant in that film rather than whatever he is in this and while that didn't work for that film from what i've read i at least understand why they did it because there's no point in repeating that kind of performance Like you'll you'll never do it there's you can accept no imitations but yeah, in the end, um much respect to Royal Julia for doing this. Like he, he's easily the best part of the film, and I just think it's ho- horrific what happens to him. Mm-hmm. But I also admire like his his willpower and his uh, his dignity going through it. Like and just yeah, you know what? This is a goofy movie that's going to be like the full stop to my career, but I'm doing it for my kids. I can always respect that. Mm. Do you think?
1: if James Gunn made this movie, you know, did a street fighter, do you think there would be like an outcry to do the Japanese naming scheme of the boss characters and, and do the original Japanese naming scheme rather uh, than, you know, have, well, have Balrog be M. Bison, have M. Bison be Vega, well, b- and have Vega be Balrog?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was actually going to bring that up because... I think also part of the problem with finding in characters from that era is that some of them, as I say, are just XBs of yes. real people, which is why it's difficult to make them like convince characters. Like, you know, what I said about the Uncharted film and how that was a photo copy of a photocopy? Mm-hmm. Well, if Balrog was just M. Bison, i.e. Mike Tyson, then you've got a Mike Tyson photocopy over and over again. This is also probably why Faye Long wasn't in the film at all, because he's basically Bruce Lee.
1: Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
0: you know, you know. I, I will say this, though. If James Gunn did make um, this film, this hypothetical Street Fighter film, you know what we would get? Chris Pratt as Ken. Oh, dear God.
1: <laughs> Enough with the Chris Pratt.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 you know I'm right. <laughs> even though it's the worst thing in the world. It's a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh... star Wars Ken. No, no, I don't, I don't, do not want, I do not no. want no uh,
1: uh dear, okay. i want to talk so, about two two more casting choices do um it. one i found to be good and one i was extremely difficult for me to take seriously and so the good one i thought uh ming na wen did uh, a serviceable job as Shen li i thought she was fine um in the role yes uh, And I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Ming-Na Wen from recent vintage, but she was born in like the 60s. So
0: she's ne- nearly
1: 30 years old when she's doing this movie. The woman is almost 60 years old and like now, and she's in the book of Boba Fett and looks still incredible. Like. Clearly found the fountain of youth. I don't understand nice. how the aging process is refusing to work on Ming-Na but she, it just looks, it's continued to look more phenomenal as she ages. It's totally unfair for everyone, all other humans. I mean,
0: hey, you know what? Like, that's just one example of how people's careers, like you'd think this film would sink the careers of many people in it, uh, but many of them did not. Many of them went on to bigger and greater things. Um, Ming-Na for example. I think that um, Byron Mann was in The Shield, if I'm not mistaken. He, he was in... Mm. So oh, he might have been so, so Shield, was she. Something like. he, ah, there we go. There we go. Um, you know what I, I was saying before about Jean-Claude Van Damme? He actually did end up uh, getting clean, and I think he did an also-biographical film uh, that was very open about his cocaine habit as well, oh, wow. so kudos to him for doing that. Uh, Kylie Minogue, we don't need to say much more about her, because <laughs> her career only got better as, as time went by did you know by the way that kylie and uh, van dam were sleeping together while this film was on
1: i am i am made. not shocked in the least
0: i like i like to imagine that kylie was the one completely and utterly like you know wrecking his shit <laughs> i don't know i i mean i i like to believe that <laughs> by the way in the in the article that <clears throat> we mentioned the guardian like Everyone's very complimentary towards Kylie, because when they got to Australia, she actually, like, started hiring out a club for them to go to after shooting, because she knew how terrible it, like, had been the staff room. Hmm. Everyone, everyone's everyone got nothing but good things to say about her, and so, hey, kudos to her.
1: I think she wasn't originally meant to be part of the movie, but wasn't there some agency that was, like, pushing D'Souza to cast an
0: Australian? You know, you could be right. I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere.
1: Um... um so let me just, yeah. let's see. So I found it on Wikipedia. While you're, um,
0: while you're looking up that, yeah. I'll mention as well, like Kylie, you know, of course, originated, I think, in Neighbours, uh, the Australian soap, which has actually just ended recently after a 35-year run. Um, mm. Channel 5 in the UK who funded it um, basically said they were going to drop it, and then they couldn't find alternative funding. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, crazy. Like, that, that show has produced wow. so many... Um, Top flight Hollywood's um Australian stars like Delsa Gridram, Holly Valance. Um I think there was more recent one. Why can't I cannot remember a name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, it's not relevant to this. Um but yeah, I think you're right when you say that about mm-hmm. like how there was gonna be someone else, but then they brought her in
1: for it. Yeah, so according to Wikipedia, she was cast as Cammy as a result of the Australian Actors Guild wanting D'Souza to hire an Australian actor. I suppose because he was filming on location. By the time he received the request, mm-hmm. the only part not cast was that of Cammy. And then he first found out about her from her cover photo on world's 30 most beautiful people, uh, a who magazine feature. Uh, and that
0: is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And fair enough. <clears throat> so, okay. And the, you the, were the mentioning other, about uh the, this, the anyone, other cast member, yeah? um, well, uh, west Studi
1: as Sagat, aka Victor Sagat, had no idea he was oh,
0: called geez. Victor.
1: But <laughs> I didn't either. And, I, uh, and he's
0: not quite as friendly no, now. No, now that called.
1: no. Vic, uh, dude, like again, doesn't look anything like Sagat. He looks like I mean, just I don't know. Someone you'd find in an office he's incredibly skinny and doesn't look you know what I mean Sagat is an enormous man uh starts in the original yep. game as lean but still quite muscular and only gets buffer over time um yeah. but uh yeah, doesn't look like he has a pet tiger or anything uh but uh you know that that aside okay the the thing that kills me about West Duty being sagat is. Have you ever seen Mystery Men? Yes. Wes Sooty is the Sphinx in Mystery oh, Men. Fuck. <laughs> He's the guy who's always speaking oh, in riddles oh, that are like, you know, oh, no. if you don't master your rage, your rage will become your master. Like really formulaic, sort of topsy-turvy, like A, B, B, A riddles. And, uh uh you know hide your strikes so you can more firmly strike your opponent's hide like all that bullshit and it's hilarious and like once i was like sagat sagat's the sphinx like it was just gone could not take him seriously for one single
0: second were you expecting him to start saying tiger knee for kneeing exactly yes i was yep oh god i i agree with you i mean they they got I him mean, in the end, like, you know, where he had his shirt off and he had the big scar. At least. Uh, although, from what I understand, the scar in Street Fire lore is, like, related to a fight with Ryu. Yes, correct. Um, and that's, so that's something they could have also dropped, because there's no way that you'd have known that if you didn't play Street Fire. If you played Street Fire, you'd probably be disappointed in his portrayal anyway. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to rag on him too much, because I think, again, it's probably just a case of uh, working for a paycheck and... You
1: know, <laughs> just his, it, his vocal delivery and everything. He's just like, Ryu, give me the keys. <laughs> it's yeah, that's so, true. So I'll funny, t- man. I'll tell you. It's really bad. I'll tell you why. Also, the, the, didn't I'll they pronounce so, Ryu's name differently? Like, I'm pretty sure a few people early in the movie called him Ryu,
0: including Ken.
1: And then as the movie yes, progressed, do. it slowly morphed into Ryu.
0: At least it wasn't Double Dragon with Jimmy and Bimmy. Bimmy. <laughs> so I thank God for that. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that we were spared, though. I'm glad we were spared Urian. Um, <laughs> not because I Just because I'm thinking of him in the Speedos more than anything else. Yeah, they would
1: probably keep him in thank the business for- suit throughout.
0: Yeah. I, I actually like, like, if I ever play Street Fighter, I probably would play Urien, and this is the point where people are screaming, shit, don't do it. <laughs> but I don't know. Anyway, he was a charge anyway, character so, um, in Third
1: Strike. I don't know if that's still true, but he was fun.
0: He had dopey combos with the like, Aegis Reflex. Yes, yes. Fun. Anyway, anyway, moving on. I have, I think, only really one final talking point I want to bring up, and this is going to be where I finally introduce the John Carmack quote. Oh, please, because I think it's very um illustrative of another challenge this film faced in adapting video game material beyond everything else I've already mentioned. So. John Carmack, of course, was one of the original creators behind Doom, uh, the quite famous um, first-person shooter, which I think was released around the same time this movie came out, as a matter mm, of fact. I think so. Now, I-, I think this was in the Masters of Doom book, which is essentially like the uh, Bible of like how the game was made and like, featuring interviews and such. Carmack is quoted as saying something to this effect. Story in a video game is a lot like story in a porno. Right. It's meant to be there but it's not very important. Now, I find this quote fascinating for a couple of reasons. Um, I think the first of which is this, is that without people will be like, whoa, what are you talking about, Shaz? But like, the thing is, pornography can have good stories. Like, There can be erotic stories that do have meaningful narratives to them. So I think that what he's saying by making this comment is that he's comparing video games of his time when he made this uh, comment to pornography in the sense that they hadn't yet realized they could tell good stories with video games. Because bear in mind, this was the early 90s. Story in video games were even more, like, immature in they would say like, barely even, like, a thing for most. So, like, the story in Doom was there are demons, go shoot yeah. them. Yeah,
1: my man probably hadn't played Final Fantasy IV at the time.
0: No. And uh, to be fair, there are or even Western RPGs like the Ultimate series, which mm-hmm. had rich stories to them. But as a general rule, I think that... The idea of story in video game was treated as both setup and punchline. So I think Carmack was right in a sense when he said that. But he was reflecting on the state of video game development and the culture behind video game development. I mean, this was there was the technology side because, of course, fitting a story in like we didn't even have voice acting then, for example, for most games, mm-hmm. unless you had the god awful uh, Sega CD shit like Sewer <laughs> Shark or whatever. The FMV. Yeah, the FMV games. But like you didn't, even, for example, have voice acting, and obviously in 2022, video game stories have <clears throat> progressed quite a long way. But I'm I'm bringing this up also because like we, you know, he mentions that, and yeah, even like Doom these days, like Doom 2016, Doom Eternal, like they have stories that are very specifically calibrated to be thin by design mm-hmm. because they're not the main point of it. The, but they do have meaning to them. I mean, Doom 2016 has an anti corporate element to it which is almost satirical in fact i'd say it's satirical in nature and doom eternal as i've mentioned on the streams i've done uh has a theme of no compromise with the forces of evil you know people keep saying don't do this there's gotta like you've got to take half measures with the demons and like no (laughs) like when it comes to dealing with like you know evil in general you don't compromise with you you kill it (laughs) so there's that and I I just think it's really illustrated this quote of how video game stories were treated at the time. So given everything else I've then said about stories, like it's no wonder that the story that they had to adapt from Street Fighter II, which I think was the World Warrior at the time, was always going to be very thin to begin with anyway. And so I wonder if you were to do another Street Fighter movie in the modern era, like you'd have so much more lore behind it. that You might be able to get like a good, a better base to build from, to adapt from. And so, I think that, that I'm basically being very complimentary to this film in the sense that they made do with what they had for a lot of it. Like in terms of the plot, like it was never going to be like a serious like plot, even though it had the dull sim like morality speech and shit like that in it. Um, <laughs> That's- but the, at the at the same time, like they had very little to work with in terms of what material they were adapting, because as I've said before, in my opinion, the story of Street Fire at the time was. The arcade culture around it that's not the actual literal story of street fighter the story is bison's a bad guy and ryu's gonna go punch him in the face until he falls over um but yeah like i think that this film being made at the time it was like i think all of the even beyond like the acts of god stuff we talked about like the 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 military coup in thailand like i think that it wasn't the right time for this film to be made yeah I mean, let's take the Sonic film that came out relatively recently, um, just before the pandemic, as a matter of fact. People like that, generally speaking, I think, mm-hmm. even though it, I, never, I never watched it because I was off-put by the presence of the human characters, no surprise there. It's very, it's very goofy, um, of course, but it's not. Yeah, but people like it, and I can't imagine what a Sonic film would have looked like if it was made around this time. In fact, I can imagine it, from because we had the Super Mario Bros. film, which was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. But I think that, like, audience sensibilities uh, and the maturity of video game storytelling in itself and also just a better understanding of how to treat the material has happened since then. Now. now, yes, it's not really still working out because we've had Uncharted, which is met by all accounts, and then we've had the modern Tomb Raider, and we've had, of course, Assassin's Creed. No- none of them good. But the Sonic film, by all accounts, is good. And I think that if, you know street Fighter were given a modern treatment and given with the same kind of care and attention that the sonic film got i think it would have probably done all right so yeah i just think that this film was made at the wrong time in history to be quite honest um as a lot of the i think it has like was de souza like his history of course in american action like i think that that was fine at the time but with the benefit of hindsight like i think you would have definitely gone with Smells, hence why i suggested james gunn as an example mm-hmm so yeah i am i'm providing basically what i think is my explanation for why i like this film in the end even despite everything else we've said about it because i think that they made um a silk purse out of a sow's ear (laughs) they did well despite all of the factors against it the fact the material is difficult to adapt that it was thin uh the writing principle i mentioned of the many characters versus the need for very few uh the, the the fact that capcom were interfering um the fact that, you know, like there was the military coup, Van Damme's cocaine addiction, roll I'm literally counting some fingers, by the way, Rawl Julia being like terminally ill, the limited budget. um, God, it all of the things up against this film, it's insane that it even got made. I'm surprised it wasn't shit canned or just never put out to theaters <laughs> or just went straight to video.
1: Like went the way in um, the first Fantastic Four movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the Roger Corman. Yeah. In fact, now that you mention it, you know what? They should have had Roger Corman do this because that film, because that Fantastic Four film is actually halfway decent, it's given that he we had a million dollar budget. Yeah. Which, and hey, he did do stretchy arms for Mister Fantastic. He could have done that for Dolson. See, D- didn't it he by stretchy
1: up. arms? Didn't he just hold up a glove on a broomstick?
0: <laughs> it still works. <laughs> It's, it still did the trick. I think there was actually some uh, some claymation in that for oh my god! arms at some point. Incredible. But it, hey, hey, look, right, it, it was Roger Carman like basically making a film for a million dollars to maintain the rights and he somehow made a film that I think the consensus is it was best than the actual like Jessica Alba Fantastic oh, yeah, film. Oh yeah, that
1: one that one was <laughs> pretty not good.
0: <laughs> that was, that was, that was, uh, that one was terrible. It's kind of dire. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have a, I have a grudging respect for this film overall. I would say, I think that I, I when I watch it, I do enjoy it. I enjoy like the quips, like uh, like Zangis, like line and all the raw Julius stuff. There's there's stuff to like in this. It feels like a scrappy movie. I would say. Ah, oh, see, I,
1: I mean, I know what you're saying. Everything you're saying makes sense to me, and I see why you view it that way. But I think for, for whatever reason, like none of that kind of heart that you're talking about that you find in the movie really comes through to me. Mm -hmm. Like to me beneath that, the very thin sort of plot and everything is just nothing. Just let's make some, some money. Yeah. Because didn't I, there is a street fighter to the movie or street, sorry, rather street fighter, the movie arcade game um and playstation oh One game, god i was waiting which we haven't talked oh, about i was
0: waiting for us to bring this up. Like, <laughs> i
1: remember seeing it in arcades and being oh. like wow
0: <laughs> i've mentioned the xerox principle many times throughout this podcast like we've uncharted and so just imagine that applied to this you've got a video game which you've turned into a film which you've turned into a video game that that game, by all accounts, has some real janky. Like, beyond it being rubbish in general, like, the glitches are insane in it, apparently.
1: It's like Ratchet oh, and Clank. The game based on the movie. Oh. Based on the game.
0: Uh, fun fact for you, by the way, Akuma was in the Street Fighter, the movie, the video game. <laughs> really?
1: They, they yes, have, like, a. He was. Like, someone did, like, motion capture and they, like,
0: modeled it like he's, like, a realistic looking dude. Wow something like that the by the way i, I mentioned this uh, i've quoted this article several times from the guardian about the production issues behind the film look up the i think it might have been on um, it might be on the escapist perhaps at some point i can't remember who, who originally posted but there was an interview with the team who made the game and that in of itself like the history of that and the production problems they had with that are fascinating mm. like it's also really interesting but to your point, though, Doc, like, here's the thing. I I will defend this film, even though I will also rip it to hell and back for some of its more egregious bullshit. But I can't also. I mean, you said, like, you see where I come from. I totally see where you're coming from, too. I think that it's not an, a film that everyone will like equivalently, even ironically. So, yeah, but, but I can't, can't agree with it you it. on what you're saying. I mean, I can't. That's the thing, no, it's like
1: it 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 moves it doesn't move anything in me like i mean there are some parts that made me cringe and some parts that made me laugh a little bit but like and there's a lot of shit that we talked about that is just ridiculous and dumb and bad about it but it doesn't make me hate it it doesn't make me love it It just a film that just sort of happened and to me it just happened to me washed over me and then afterwards like well okay that left not a lot of impression, and I'll probably forget about most of it really quickly, um, which is unfortunate. Like again, I was really jazzed up for something really rotten, and uh, it yeah. it was just kind of like a like a bad, almost like just a bad '90s kids movie in some ways.
0: Yeah, it it makes me think like you know I've said this before in the past about how. What we find memorable when we consume media. Like, is it the stuff that's truly bad? Or, like, because this film is better than the Alpha film. I (laughs) think you'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to wager we're probably going to reference the Alpha film again before we ever reference this one again. Yes. Because the Alpha one is more memorable in that kind of terrible way. Uh, I mean, Chun Li's crotch, Mm -hmm. you know. The
1: the dumb kid, Shun. Terrible. Oh,
0: God. I, for- I forgot about Big that brother. hip squeak oh terrible oh i wish he did get hit by a miso. <laughs> yeah i know is sakura doing
1: nothing in that room she's just like so, totally like doesn't exist in the real plot of the movie she just like has a couple scenes thinking about ryu
0: and that's like that's it she's she's, vi- she's voice acted by someone who's in a <laughs> recording booth filled entirely with smoke from a bong. <laughs> That's all I can think of. <laughs> She's oh, Jesus! That performance. All right. Well, anyway, I don't have really much more to. In fact, I have nothing else to add. Really. Um, do you have anything else you want to say on the film or about it? Um.
1: No. <laughs> I was trying to remember a line from the movie, but maybe, maybe you know.
0: You're off the yeah. air.
1: Maybe like when you, whenever you saw this movie. It was the most memorably, memorably bad movie you had ever seen in your entire life. For me, it was Tuesday.
0: Ah, uh, you've won the podcast line line of the podcast. You, you 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 deployed the bison quote perfectly. That is a ko right there. You win, my friend. Ah, oh, high score. So but yeah, I ah. Uh, you know what though like going forward Mm -hmm. um i would love to watch another film at some point that is a video game adaptation just because i do find this area like interesting like why do they like that's the big question isn't it why do they these keep failing
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: uh on converse i suppose why do some of them succeed like the sonic film i mean i haven't seen that yet um because adaptation to me is always a really interesting field of study because it's about the choices you make. Like, do you hew closer to the source material? Do you hew away from it? Um, what are the rules like, that you adhere to? What are the rules that you choose to break? The, ch- the intrinsic challenges of which some of I- I've detailed, like the big roster of characters, for example. It's always fascinating because it's never an exact science. And that's why I find sometimes like interrogating the creative decisions behind it more memorable than uh, necessarily the film itself. Um, so hopefully we can cover some more of that in the future and hopefully stuff that's less meh <laughs> like either truly dreadful or truly insane. Before we go uh though to the closing, I will mention that um the president of Capcom, if I recall correctly, is actually in the crowd of soldiers at guile's Speech.
1: <laughs> oh goodness.
0: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was there. Doesn't there isn't is there great. like a
1: barrel that says Capcom in the movie as well? That they It wouldn't surprise they're, me. They're, it's um it's either in Bison's base or maybe it's the barrel they put Chun Li into when they're gonna when they're doing the act for Bison to saw her in half or whatever. Anyway.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. It's not the
1: act accurate like blah uh, blah. I can't talk. Accurate. It's not the actual accurate like color accurate Capcom logo. But it just says Capcom logo. Mm. Anyway, another yeah. small another small mod to the the lineage of uh of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I will just send also on one other note, which is if you found any of what we've discussed about the his like the behind-the-scenes stuff of this film interesting, and indeed for a lot of people I suspect it'll be more interesting than the film itself, definitely check out that Guardian article. Um as I say, it's by it's by Kev, it's by Keith Stewart. If you go on the Guardian and search for it, I'm sure you can find it. Um, it it's got a lot of interesting information into it. Uh, there's other interesting information there about out there about this film on the Wikipedia and such. Like it's yeah. Sometimes I think with bad films like The Room, for example, we the process behind it, the decisions that went into it, and like the failures and egos of the individuals involved yeah. um, can be more interesting in of itself than the actual final products. But as I say, for what it's worth, I like this film. In spice of itself.
1: Yeah, I, I sure. Um, I guess that. I guess we did it. Uh, I guess ko perfect. We've won.
0: We got to the end of the tournament. That's all the coins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we'll leave it there, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. We're going to wrap up now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, by the way, and you want to hear more of it, maybe you want to suggest to us at some point we cover some other like terrible video game adaptations or whatever strikes your fancy or you just want to get involved in the conversation um pop on over to co-fi forward slash sorry dot ficom forward slash worry dash show uh you can drop a little bit of money in uh, you know support us and in result you can join our discord and be part of our wonderful community definitely uh check that out if you don't want to support us financially because you uh, don't want to or you just have the money for it that's also perfectly fine Uh, feel free to just drop us a like or a comment on whatever social media service or music service you might find us on, such as uh, Spotify. Anything you can do of that uh, kind helps our discoverability. Um, Doc, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: I am at The Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Uh, Please at me about uh, whatever
0: excellent and if you want to talk to me about fighting games uh adaptations anything that i've bantered on about ramble in a rambling style uh feel free to do so at shade and Sunset. you can find me there so yeah um thank you very much to everyone who's joined us who's who's watched this um who's listened to this uh we'll be back next time with our anime pod that we previously announced and which is definitely far better as a work of adaptation and as a work in its own right uh, that of course being trigon yeah. i'm super excited to talk about yeah. that we're gonna have some meaty conversations in yeah that, i tell you now
1: uh do you want me so to be... go ahead and announce the next non-anime for after we do trigon
0: if you want to but if it turns out to be street fire the legend of <laughs> i'm walking off this podcast
1: it's the second alpha anime <laughs> movie no it's um that exists by the way i've never seen it but it's oh, Alpha no. Generations, I think it's called. Anyway, they never going Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we're going to do um, my favorite film of all time. Uh, we're going to do 2018's Korean film, Burning, directed by Lee Chang Dong. And nice. I am beyond excited. My heart is burning to talk about Burning. <laughs> Uh, starring uh are in and uh, Steven Yoon and others. Um, God, I'm very excited. I would, we have uh, some time before we do this show. So the, one of the reasons I wanted to announce it now is I do believe it is a film that we should all watch twice before we talk ah. about it. Um, I would say the first time, Go in blind as you can. And then feel free to read up in any way that you like about any kind of interpretations or scholarship or reviews, articles, whatever behind the scenes stuff. And then find out like how people perceive the movie, um, what they think is going on with it, and then watch it again. Uh, and then let's get together and talk about it. Heck yeah, I'm in for that. That's your favorite film of all time. That's mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh it has replaced uh what did it used to be? It was Fight Club for a long time, but then I matured. It wasn't Pixels? <laughs> no, no. It wasn't Ready Player One. <laughs> then, oh, Pixels, you motherfucker. <laughs> it replaced Street Fighter Alpha.
0: That 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 arguably is a video game adaptation, really there you go it's it's adapting it's adapting the game of adam sandler dodging uh you know <laughs> making a good film and exactly. like and getting tax credits <laughs> yes.
1: adam sandler uh running away from consequences um oh, yeah can you believe he made
0: uncut gems what the, oh, was i was part of gems what the
1: fuck? i know that's why it's he's um, really good at it the parts i could watch i actually couldn't finish that film i found it Really kind of pushed my anxiety buttons the way it was cut and shot and everything, and I I had to check out.
0: Um But it was what I saw; it was very well made. Oh fucking hell! Maybe that's a, maybe that's the thing we should. uh Well, we'll we'll talk about pop. But anyway, yeah. Oh, uh, lots to look forward to though. So yeah, we've got Trigon, we've got Burn. Burn. It's gonna be great. I cannot wait to discuss both of those. Trigon, we're gonna have some meaty oh, conversations yeah. about morality and that. Yeah, but well, there's gonna be dare i say a best of three on it it's going to be down right fierce <laughs> are you going to talk about it? sure you can yeah oh, all Jesus. these out of my sister before we finish <laughs> oh, uh final fi- final final thing i will say by the way before we go um which, question for you doc which zangief do you prefer this one or the one in wreck it ralph i've never seen wreck it ralph Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's the podcast. <laughs> a winner by default. I mean, it got disqualified. Yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it got It got a buy. Zangief in this version of Street Fighter, got a bye. That'll do. That'll do. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much as always for joining us. Um, hope you've had a good time. Take care. Stay safe. And we will be back later this month with Trigon. Until then, as we often say on this podcast, embrace everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night.
1: Bring back the brothers.
0: Don't embrace if it's a spinning pile driver, though. I'm just saying.